Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. That's right. College football dream preview podcast week number five with the old standbys. But man, are they good. Wise Guy Roundtable to my left. All the college knowledge, Brad Powers. He's in a surly mood today. Hopefully we can bait him into more losers. At least when we're betting amongst ourselves. And to my right. These are the 24th Pythons, the largest arms to ever enter goals, Jim Daddy. And let me tell you, Sonny, you did, all joking aside, Ken, and I'm being 100% serious. Did you get pumped? Uh, did you pump up before you came in today? Did I pump? No. He's smirking. No, I'm just, are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, like, I thought maybe just like outside the office no. studio door, you had one of those resistance oh, bands. Yeah. No? no? No, I don't even own one of those. <laughs> yeah. And I'm RJ Bell. I mean, he looks extra pumped today, doesn't he? He does. That is not a coincidence. <laughs> that is not a coincidence. Well, guys. I'm excited. Ken last week had one of the great shows. Brad's pretty steady, man. I mean, with Brad, he's either good or really good. I mean, there's an occasional moment or two, but otherwise. So I think we're going to have a great show. I'm going to sit back, let these guys do a little bit more of the heavy lifting. Ken's ready, all warmed (laughs) up. Question number two. Did you put any baby, any type of oil on your arms today? No, lotion. My wife got good lotion. Do you say... Come like almost like Miss Elizabeth. You say, "Come on <laughs> over," and before you leave, I like to do that. But she's in Phoenix three out of the four weeks out of the month. <laughs> but so. when she's here, yes. Oh, First game, we got Ken liking this one. Alabama favored by thirty-seven and a half, hosting Mississippi. Yeah, and that's the thing with Alabama. You know what? Don't even have to watch the game. Just kind of watch the score keep going up and up and up. This receiving core, RJ, is by far the best in the country. I know people looked at USC's receiving core. They've got three good ones, but there's four guys on this Alabama team that are all going to play at the next level. Jalen Waddle's wondering when he's going to get a touchdown pass, has a bunch of receptions, but Judy and Ruggs, these two guys are the best in the country as far as a one-two combo. Tagovailoa, how about 17 touchdowns, no interceptions, Harrison out of the backfield, and uh, Robinson pretty good, and the defense outstanding. I don't think uh, Ole Miss is going to score more than a touchdown. I think Bama's just going to continue to pull away. I think they win this game by 40-plus. Here's my question, and Fez is probably better to answer this. If there's one of the top 10 teams, or let's say top five, like a team that's like a freight train, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State this Ohio year. Ohio State, Oklahoma maybe. Yep. Those teams, they say, oh, I don't want to bet against them. That kind of thing that yep. the average Freddie Fanny Pack's going to say. It seems like the line goes up from the open 85% of the time. I'd agree with that. So how dumb are these books? They either want the action at the bad number, except I don't understand why, because it's not like these – it's funny, the old school take 30-plus – Take 40-plus. Yeah. Doesn't really work anymore. No. So is it just they're just making the same – like they're stuck in their same old model and they're still spitting out that number at Chris? Or I mean, Cirque, Cirque has been opening, right? Yeah. World opener. 
Have they been short on these big, big favorites? Yeah. I mean, the, the Ohio State this week, I used that example against Nebraska, circa open 15. That lines up to 17 and a half now against Nebraska. But And, and I think that's yeah. a good example because Ohio State is a you know, freight train right now, it seems. But I'm talking when it's, let's say, 28 or above, where it's really not about will they win or not a vast majority of the time. It's about what is their appetite for margin. Yeah. Alabama, this game. Yeah, that's uh, I'm what just I'm recalling it. Thirty-four and a half is what circa open. Now it's up to what thirty-seven. Yeah, and a half. Yeah. Yep. Okay. What we want to do when one guy likes it and one guy doesn't, we want to figure out why the other guy doesn't. So, Brad, you actually have a total on this game. So why don't you hold that? Why not like either? It sounds like you're pretty neutral on the game itself. I am pretty neutral. So typically, I would want to fade Nick Saban in this big favorite role. Why? Nick Saban laying 35 or more prior to last week was 6 and 17 against the spread. That was going Okay, so we've broke we've I uh, started interrupt. We broke this down. Yep. Let's let's give the breakdown cuz I think for the rest of the season this is going to be insightful. So we got these break points. Let's take a gander at them, Brad. Yeah, so what we did was we we basically broke down Saban spreads. Underdog, single digits, 10 to 20 points, 20 to 29, 30 to 39, and it's been Saban's worst role, big favorite, 30-plus points in his entire career, 13-22 and 22 against the spread. So career as in at Alabama? Or? At Alabama. Okay. So not at LSU, not at Michigan not State? A, no, not at Michigan State. All right, so at Alabama, favored by 30 or more. 13 and 22. Okay, now you broke it down further for your analysis? Yeah, I did uh, 35 or more, just another subset. It was even worse. Six. It was a current run. I was data mining. It was 6 and 17 prior to last week. Okay. All right. So if we just say Alabama's different, which I think it is, though LSU, he was pedigreed, obviously, to the point of winning a national title. I was at that game. And... Oh, that was a fun one. I think I mentioned that one other time is the whole because it was New Year's Day or the day at it was real soon after New Year's. So we were at Mardi Gras. It was in it was down in LSU or I guess in Louisiana. So Mardi Gras, New Year's Eve. Oh, I'm sorry. We were there for I'm going to restate that. Three, two, one. I've told this story and uh, it was great because the game was right after the New Year. So we got to be in the French Quarter for New Year's and there was Oklahoma you know, let's just say middle American people walking. <laughs> and then you had the LSU fans and they're shouting at each other. But it wasn't like violence. It was just fun. Yeah, it could have. Who knows, right? I remember the uh, <laughs> they had this drink. I can't I can't remember the name of it. I'm not I was never a big drinker, even in my hate. I mean, I guess in high school I was. But after that, <laughs> it's funny. The minute it became legal. But, you know, where Brad and I grew up in a similar area, you just drank when you're in high school. It was just. Oh, the, yeah. Keggers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> so, but it was called the, uh, I can't even remember, but it, I'm going to actually text the guy I was with. But literally, the guy I was with drank like a fish his whole life, like an alcoholic fish. Imagine if the water was vodka. <laughs> is, and he drank two of these and he's like, I can't feel my feet, you know. It was, but there was like like eight drinks into one drink and he charged you, you know, like 30 bucks. Yeah. And it, it could knock you down because, you, you know, you're kind of it's like a Slurpee almost. It's yeah. kind of got sweetness to it. Oof. Oof. All right. So but at Alabama, you could say, listen, when he's a big favor, I mean, obviously, we're not being arbitrary saying 30. Right. These are all very clean break points. So when he's a big favor, not just not good, he's bad. Yeah. So Brad did some really good work here with 
Alabama Saban, and this is actually Alabama starting in the second season. So we can say, yeah, you know, arbitrary, nah, maybe. But what was his record the first season? He was 7-6 and six straight up, 4-9 and nine against the spread. And he, he's lost he lost six, to Louisiana Monroe. Lost about six games since. Pretty much. So, yeah, I think this is fair. So if you bet him as a big, big favorite, Saban, in this uh, Alabama spot or in his Alabama career – not good. So let's just look 30 to 40. He's 8 and 9. 40 plus, he's 5 and 13. So that means he's 13 and 22, laying 30 or more. Hmm. Okay. Now you think, well, he must be really good 30 or, or less than 30. Yeah, true. But a little deceiving. So we went one extreme when, the, when he's dominant. Now, what about when it's a close game? Now, Saban's actually been a dog five times during this span, and he's four and one. You might think, oh, see, don't give points yeah. to Saban. Okay, maybe. But if you look at it when he's a favor, but not double digits, so one, two, three, eight, nine, nine and a half. Yeah. In that case, he's 21 and 20. Now, I don't know, but it's not even winning money. Mm-mm. So he's horrible when a big favor. He's a little less than break-even, but let's call break-even as a uh, underdog or small favorite. Well, he's killing it. 10 to 19 and a half, 60% against the spread. 20 to 29 and a half, 75%. So we got three corridors here, right? Or we got three groups. The far end of competitive game, coin flip. Yep. Super, super, super dominant spot. Below average significantly. Spread is average. And then that corridor from 10 to 29 and a half, over, you know, 10 or over, less than 30, you combine it, it's 51 and 26, two pushes. 51 and 26 with two pushes. Wowza. So to me, and I mean, let's play devil's advocate for a second. Is there any reason to consider bet? It's almost like based on the line, it's an auto fade. I mean, you could say that uh, if he's a coin flip historically, then you handicap the game. So maybe this is the fair way to say it. Could anyone debate with the following? If he's not favored by double digits, history doesn't tell us anything. Now, someone could debate, well, wait a minute. He's winning 60% of his stuff overall. At least he was, you know, a year ago when I looked at it. So he's in that range now. So if there's no history, you could say he's much worse in this spot. Why bet him? Or you could say, hey, history says he's a coin flip, so I'm going to handicap the game. I think there's two different ways to look at it. So I think neutral or negative in that spot. I don't think you can lay over 30. Uh Uh-oh, Ken. I don't think you can lay over 30. Yeah. He's already covered that twice this year over 30. All right, Ken. In four games. You're but forcing no. it. But, but. <laughs> That's oh, all right. RJ, you should have waited. Why? Because I saw something from Nick Saban last week. I faded him last week uh-huh. in a spot. He was laying 38 to Southern Miss. Mm-hmm. And he, instead of sitting on the, on the ball on the final drive, he went for it on fourth down. He could have taken a knee with less than two minutes left, went for the touchdown, got the front door cover. I've never seen Nick Saban do that before. And... First off, I don't think I've ever heard of the front door cover. What is that exactly? When the favorite covers. 
Have you heard that before, Ken? It's the first I've heard really? of it, but it's, it's interesting. It, yeah. it, it, it yeah. conjures up an image. <laughs> Saban, <laughs> right? And then I'm th- I can't help but think about this. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to come right in the back door here. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, there's a lot of images yeah. flashing through my head. So, Brad, it seems like you and Ken are falling to the same small sample size. Size yeah. matters. So you're saying because you saw it once. It, if I recall, it was what, Mississippi State? What, last week? Yeah. Southern Miss. Yeah. Southern Miss. Okay. Yeah. Who knows if he's got some, maybe that coach said something he doesn't like. I mean, people like Saban are very, very petty. If, I mean, not petty. Petty, I think some people would say, I think they've got their value system. And if you go against it, they're going to smack you. I respect it myself. I got one more why I'm not going to buck him in this game. It's Old Miss. And here's what I've seen from Saban. Old Miss is that team a couple years ago beat Saban back-to-back years and almost did it three times in a row. What has Alabama done to Ole Miss the last two years? Combined score, 128-10. to 10. He's, put the, he's put it on Ole Miss the last couple years. No, I, listen, I hear you. There's a, I mean, there's always a reason that the team favored by 37-and-a-half <laughs> is good, right? Yeah. What I'm saying is I'll just take the history because does he still, is he still mad at A&M for, for Johnny Football? No, not as much. When does it fade? Probably knowing RJ's betting history of fades this year. <laughs> I mean, no, I don't know. You know, I, I tell you this. Was there any other spot this year where he, he, he sat on the ball in the second half? New Mexico State game when he was laying 50. Yeah. And was he aggressive late in other games except the one last week? No, not particularly. So you're saying there's one instance. Yeah, that's square. All right. You want to jump in, bud? On Ken? Yeah. No, I'm good. Oh, just because Ken's on? You know what's funny, yeah. though, Ken? Do you hear Brad? You gotta listen close. Know what people say. He goes, "RJ, you should have waited." Like he, he's yeah. mad. He's thinking if I could be in a bad bat and you in a good one, he doesn't want that. Ken, he's so he's competitive with you. I love it. <laughs> now I'll let you buy out of this if you want. It's just twenty dollars. No, all right, I'm good. Closing thought. Oh, you got your total. Yeah, I'm leaning under here, and it's all because of Ole Miss, who in the last five six years been a dead over team. Really great offense bad defense but personnel wise and schematically wise completely opposite team this year first off experience very inexperienced offense only two returning starters defense totally opposite 10 returning starters schematically they changed it up Ole Miss is not running as much tempo as they've been in the past they're going to be starting a new quarterback possibly in this one I don't think they're going to be very aggressive in that regard so I lean under in this one thoughts I just see uh, yeah, if, that, if Plumlee ends up going, the quarterback for Ole Miss, they're going to be conservative, but they're just not going to be able to cover the receivers. They don't have the speed in the secondary, to me, to cover these four guys. This is the best Alabama offense that I remember seeing, Brad. I know they've always had a predominantly strong running game. Najee Harris, Robinson, these guys, they're not touching the ball nearly as much as the running game when you had Damian Harris, Josh Jacobs, and Najee Harris last year because you're taking advantage of Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Devonta Smith, and Jalen Waddle, four best receivers on any one team in the country. Oh, I want to hear you say that again. Julian, Julian Rugg. Who was that? Said yeah, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs. The no, third. no, you got to do it all. Mm. Like, all right. First of all, tag, the first version is going to work. Tag that, but try it one more time. All right. When you have the four best receivers in the country and Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Devonta Smith, and Jalen Waddle, it doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> yeah, tag both. I'll decide. That's awesome. <laughs> That's a professional broadcaster. It takes me four cracks at some of this stuff when I'm doing like voiceover. This guy could be getting his arms oiled and, and do it with his mic in one hand and flexing both. Think about that. That should be a picture we yeah. take.
For Ken, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. 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 Not Fez, even though he does bench. <laughs> yeah. When there's money on the line. Oh, yeah. He's like super. You know how, yeah. like, mothers can lift a car yeah. when their child's trapped under? <laughs> yeah. If That's there's a bet. money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's true. Oh. Now, I have a potential little mini research project for you, uh, Brad, is you just got me thinking. I wonder how different Saban is in these different roles in conference. Mm. Okay. Because my thought is he might be better in conference as a big favorite or maybe not. Whereas he's thinking, why mode? You know, I, I'm a believer in the NFL. If you run it up, the other team gets motivated. In college, I think it's – I think I've never seen a guy that got fought someone three times, like a street, you know, like a playground fight, and got his butt kicked all three and was really anxious for the fourth. <laughs> yeah. Right? I can't wait. Yeah. It's like, eventually, it's not I want revenge. It's yeah. I want to run <laughs> yeah. right? the other direction. So, to me, I, I think if Saban really wanted to hurt, I mean, Saban could ruin a season if he said, let's play really hard the whole game and, you know, yeah. n- not even purposely injure them, but let's really drill them into the ground. I think that you would want to fade that team the next week. Yes. Which brings up another point. Have we ever done a study? We, I don't think we've done that. Teams is after playing. After Alabama, in which the line was, let's say, uh, you know, greater than 28. Because the Steelers and the Seahawks in the uh, NFL over the years, at various times when their defenses were at their best, there was years and years of data on it. So next week, we'll tease ahead. A little radio stuff, Ken. I don't know. Okay. Is you probably Do you even do teases? Oh, yeah. You sure? Oh, You're probably yeah, like, up next, college football. No. It could be like, up next, more deep dives into game rotation 114 through 128 if we have time. Oh, that has happened. <laughs> <laughs> we'll pick it up with game 134 <laughs> when we come back. That's been the tease. Yeah. Oh, my God. I got to get that yeah. on tape. I got to get that on tape. <laughs> I'm never going to use it again. That's it. I'm done. That's awesome. So, Ken, if, if I was out there in the audience... And I often, I think one of the reasons I started a pod was I've been screaming at pod or radio shows my whole life saying, but what about this? I thought I'd get to ask now. You just said you think Alabama has a good chance to run it up, correct? Yeah. And you like the under. Mm. Yeah. You might have got a little froggy jumping in the help. Yeah. So does that, does that go against each other? Well, I just and, don't, and remember, yeah. listen, guys, one of the things I really want to do is, is debunk that Vegas is magic. Vegas is just really smart people doing a lot of hard work. Brad's really smart. Ken's really smart. Brad does a lot of hard work. Ken does. That's why they are able to do this. They're not magic. You can overlook things all the time. There's a reason that every sharp better I know wants to have other sharps to talk to because we all miss things. So does that cause you to reevaluate? It does. To, to bring it to a lean. Well, it is a lean on the under. Oh, I thought yeah. you liked it. No, okay. I lean. Okay. So you're saying maybe even neutral. Yeah, neutral. All right. See, that's to me, that's how the sausage is made. That's how we went 5-0 and oh in the Super Contest. Gold. So let me see. We're 11-4 and four on the season. Mm-hmm. Let me see here one second. Dun, 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 dun. Effing good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just when you thought you couldn't top 68%, 73%. Is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> USC, Washington, holy camoly, 
We have a double like. Oh, by the way, guys, two crossfires between Ken and Brad live and in person. I love it. Here they're on the same side. This is almost like one of those superhero movies where they all come together because the world, like they might fight each other, but when it's an alien, we'll team up. Why don't we start with you, Brad? I like Washington here minus the 10. And to me, it's a clear overreaction to what USC was last week. A big, thrilling victory, upset win over Utah, and a lot of optimism with a third-string quarterback. Why? Third-string quarterback, Fink, last week, threw for 350 yards and three touchdown passes against a Utah team that was overmatched when it came to the secondary. I don't think that's going to be the case in this one. And I also am fading KT that box score from last week. How in the hell did USC win that game? They get out game by 100 yards, outrushed by nearly 250 yards in that game. Utah won the turnover battle, and yet USC won that game. Here's what I do see. I looked at two weeks ago, SC went up to Provo, Utah, lost that game to BYU. You know, couldn't handle the atmosphere. The young quarterback threw three interceptions in that game. I expect something similar this week. How did Washington do the very next week in Provo, Utah? They handled their business just like a grown-up football team did and blew out BYU in that game. I think Washington does the same here. Big coaching mismatch. I like the Huskies minus 10. So who's the grown-up team? Grown-up team's Washington. It's big boy football. (laughs) Handle their business as a favorite like SC couldn't do the week before. I got to tell you something. If Ken even had a lean the other way. Oh, wait a minute. I'm only leaning on uh, Washington. Oh, Fez is the one. that. So the double like is Washington and, and uh, or I'm sorry, it's Fez and Brad. You got to lean, though, because if you. <sighs> oh, God, I wish I really don't like his handicap here because he was talking about this on SOV straight out of Vegas. Real quick, Brad, because I don't want to forget. You think this line moves. I do. Up. It goes up. So this is one of those deals. If you can get the 10 and you like it, Washington, bet it now. Yep. What do you think? Well, here's the only thing. I'm respecting SC. First off, Fink comes in there to replace Slovis. What does he do? His first play from scrimmage, first play of the year, there's not even a running back in the backfield. So they know he's throwing right away, throws a completion. Guy guy looks like he never missed a beat. So you have two quarterbacks come in for the original starter, JT Daniels, and both guys have really excelled. Now the problem with Slovis is he threw four interceptions. Think just the one, and they've got receivers. Vaughn St. Brown and Pittman Jr. are faster than Washington's secondary. Normally Washington has the best secondary. They have a pretty good one, but they lost nine starters on defense. This is not a typical Washington team. That's why they struggled with Cal. This is a Cal team that doesn't have great offense. Washington only put up 20 on Cal. That's why I only lean. I think Peterson's team is getting it together. That was a weather-delayed game. This won't be weather-delayed. I think Washington wins. I think the number is right. I think it's probably about 10, 10 and a half by the time it goes off. So I lean Washington. Home field advantage will be major, but I respect SC's speed, and I'm surprised at their quarterback play, but they're getting excellent quarterback play. This is one of the deepest units on any one team quarterback-wise in the country. couple questions. Brad, one, we've got a trend on USC when it comes to favorite underdog. Uh, That speaks to your Washington pick, too. It does. Clay Helton in the underdog role. Even with that win and that cover last week, Clay Helton's 2-12 and straight up as an underdog in his coaching career, 3-11 and against the spread. And to me, when you have a coach who's, uh, let's say, not superior as a coach, at a good program, this is what you see. They recruit well, and I mean... That's the real question, Ken. If I would say talent versus performance, hasn't the Houghton era been an underperformance? It hasn't really been poor recruiting, 
right? It's been well, he's more- kicked ass at home. I mean, he's won at Troy big time, but he can't win on the road in games like this. So it makes sense. But I think the line is right. I think it's been adjusted. It's already gone up two points or a point and a half, whatever it was, eight, eight and a half, up to 10, 10 and a half right now. So I think what, it, probably around 10, 10 and a half is where it gets gets to and stays, and I think Washington's the so, right side. So, Brad, but, you, you think that it goes above 10. Like, what would you guess is the close? 11. So up a nice point. By the way, if they're throwing a bunch of jump balls and USC has tall receivers, how tall are the Washington D-backs? 5'11", <laughs> 6'1". Six six so, They'll have a size advantage, like they do every game. Okay, okay. It just, this speaks also to, like, the, the plethora of talented quarterbacks seemingly in these top systems. I mean, how good is the third-string quarterback in Alabama? He might be an NFL player soon. Yeah. Like, we don't really, I mean, I know you guys might know. I don't. It's Mac Jones. So it just strikes me that, that what we've said recently is just going to be said again and again. And we actually had on Sonny Dykes ended up winning that game. You know, Huge win. I didn't get the, the – I liked him. I had SMU. <laughs> Say that again, Ken. I liked him. I had, I had SMU, baby. I was. I love over. how you had that cued. You're like, say that again, boom. Any thoughts additionally about how well you're doing? I love this SMU team, and I think they win again no, no, I'm this talking week. about you. That's what we want to hear about. Uh, I need to pick it up as far as the college and get more consistent. If I can just get the numbers up to where the NFL numbers are, I won't have anybody oh, tweeting so at me. Let me think. Uh, Ken, how are you doing in the NFL? Uh, pretty darn good. 55-20-4 in my last 79 games. Can you repeat that? 55, 20, and 4 on pregame.com. 55, 20, and 4. So that's like 70%. That's over, uh, yeah, that's a more than a year sample size. This is second season, and this year, 9 and 3 so far. <laughs> hey, don't be shy, Ken. I got that song handy if you want to promote. Now, you got to promote your pro numbers when your college numbers are not what they should be. So what now? The, I mean, what's your college numbers? College numbers, I'm a game under 500 or two games under 500. So, so listen, guys, this is the good. standard we set. He's about break even, and he's saying how bad he is. That's pathetic for us. I mean, for me and Brad, we hold our standards yeah, higher. Yeah, I, I like know, that, but in the short sample, man, no. all you got to do is, is get 100 ping pong balls, hand paint 45 of them red, those are your yeah. losers. Your white ones are your winners, red and white. And pick out 12 at a time and replace them. And you're going to have, or you could do a simulation online. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm telling you, you're going to have your three and nines when it comes to red. You know, the difference between a, a drunk baby flipping coins and pros like you two that hit long term 55%, that's the best any pro can. You guys might say, oh, I bet the pros do better than that. Well, here's what I'll tell you. Any pro who hits over 55% doesn't understand betting, and thus it doesn't happen. Why? Think about the games he's leaving on the table. It doesn't matter how many games you bet. At a certain point, you think the next game is not profitable. You might bet one a month. You might bet 10 a day. But that 11th game, you're saying, I don't think it's profitable. Well, if you're hitting 57, 58%, you're leaving profitable games on the table. All right? Yep. So that's why 55, if you want to talk about, well, that guy's better than this guy, what kind of volume can they do at 55? That's a question. But 55 is the best a pro is going to do. And even if you take the very best picks from a pro, and I, when I say a pro, I don't mean just pregame pros. I mean any pro. You've heard of them, you haven't heard of them. 
There might be true inside information that happens now and again. Other than that, 57, 57 and a half, 58, that's as good as it gets. Would you guys agree with that? Absolutely. All right. So, USC, we talked about the D-backs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. I think we're good there. Any closing thoughts? Nope. Next game. Ken likes Clemson. Boy, you're laying the lumber, baby. Clemson. Oh, that'd be a good sound effect. Like a chainsaw. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Ken, go. Here's the thing. Trevor Lawrence only played a quarter last week. Hey, I apologize. It is 26 and a half at North Carolina. Yeah, I like Clemson minus a 26 and a half. Lawrence, here's a guy not worried about winning the Heisman. Dabo Sweeney, not worried about So Lawrence got to decide if he played, you think? Well, 17-0 after one quarter, RJ. I mean, normally you're going to see the team just... But I'm saying it wasn't his decision necessarily. I think it's a team. I think they've talked about it to where, look... You're going to be a pro. You're going to be a very highly drafted pro. We're going to keep you safe in games that we know that we're going to blow out the other team. You get in there, get some stats. But he's not trying to win the Heisman. He only has seven touchdowns, five interceptions. So if he's trying to... So he threw interceptions on purpose? I'm saying that's what he... He had five and five going into the game. So if they wanted to pad his stats, they wanted to pad his stats, they could have let the guy throw another four or five touchdowns in the game. Instead, let's go with the backups. That includes Travis Etienne as well. They're running back. Lin J. Dixon getting a lot more carries now as well. So this is a Clemson team that just goes about its business. But against North Carolina with Mac Brown there, I think Clemson's going to lay down the law and say, look, we know you're going to go after it. This is a big game on your slate. But it's a North Carolina team that got off to a surprisingly good start. They beat South Carolina. Bentley, the quarterback, went down in the opener. They beat Miami with a late fourth and 19 and then got a touchdown. They struggled against Wake Forest, and they lose at home to the boys from Boone, North Carolina, Appalachian State. When you lose at home to Appalachian State, it's not fun to go to practice knowing that Clemson's coming back to your house, Chapel Hill, the next week. I think Clemson's going to blow them out. I think North Carolina just doesn't have the speed to stay with them. A couple decent defensive players. Chaz Surratt, the former quarterback, is one of them, but they don't have speed to stay with Higgins and Ross. Good luck. This game will just – you're talking about seven points a quarter is all I'm laying with Clemson. Seven points a quarter. That's it. It's a, it's a discount. That's it. <laughs> okay, Ken, I, I, when you were rattling off all those teams, I think it's important in the games to kind of – and I think you're making a great point. What I'm hearing you say – is that if you look at the Clemps or the North Carolina impressive wins, they were fortunate, not lucky, but it could have went either way. Mm-hmm. And those teams, and South Carolina especially, not as good as we thought at the time, right? Is that Your point is, if you look at the rundown, now the Appalachian State, not as bad, right? What was the line in that game, Brent? Yeah, North Carolina was favored by two and a half. So it was a coin flip. Yep. There's, it looks bad. Yep. If anything, it feels like that's probably got people thinking, oh, my gosh, North Carolina must really stink. Because whenever, and Brad, that's one of your theories yeah. I really agree with, is if it's a, uh, a certain type of school. Yeah, an FCS school. Like, FCS, yeah, yes. FCS. What a great branding that is. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. FCS versus yeah. the FBS. Yes. So football, so they're not playing football the other. <laughs> they're playing. It's so crazy. Football championship subdivision and football bowl subdivision. Cow, Arizona State. If you win a big bet, you're going to remember it. Cow favored at home by four and a half. Who feels strongly? I'll go with it. I'm going to lean with Arizona State here. And here's why. I'm getting four and a half points here with Arizona State. And both teams' propensity to play very tight games. Seven of Cal's last ten games decided by one possession or less. Eleven of Arizona State's last 15 games decided by seven points or less. All right, so here's the question. Why? 
Meaning if I just said, forget these teams, this team's played a lot of close games, what does it mean? Very conservative offenses, don't get much separation, very good defenses, limited scoring. Okay, so the lower the score is, the better chance it's going to be a tight game. Absolutely. That's logic. I also think turnovers sway games more than anything. Yep. So I think conservativeness results in less turnovers, but I think it's more there's just less turnovers. Yep. There's less points and less turnovers for whatever reason, meaning it could be conservative play, yep. right? Could be something else, right? Could be pace of play. Yeah. Right? If you're slower, there's going to be... Both teams are slower tempo. Yeah. So I agree with you in general, it's going to be conservative. And also, I think disciplined. Oh, yeah. Where you don't have highs and lows as much, where your your effort level is steady. Yep. Would you agree? I agree with both teams. And effort. do you think that applies in this case? I think it's going to apply in this case with both teams. Very consistent. And, and even stronger than that is, if you just look, if you just blindly bet the dog, you take Arizona State's last 10 games... Cal's last 10 games. If you just blindly bet the dog in those games, you're 17-2-1. 17 wins, two losses, and a push. And a lot of it is because the games are tight, whether the Cal's a dog or Arizona State's a dog, or they're laying points here. For that, I'm leaning with Arizona State. But is the line at four and a half enough for this handicap? It sounds like, and it's fair to say the following. It sounds like what you're saying is, this line's about right. Yes. But considering these teams and their propensity to close games, I'm going with the dog. Yes. I probably could have said that. No, 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 Cabin no, 30 no, no, because yeah. we wouldn't have yes. gotten the insight about close games and big, you know. But if you have a nine point dog, all of a sudden that close game means more. Yes. And you can think about NFL, like uh, the Ravens over the years, not necessarily this year, tight games. They're not going to turn the ball over a bunch. They're, if you can get five, six points with them, you're probably doing okay. It's that kind of thing. Yeah. This is the biggest game for Cal football in years. They're the only undefeated team left in the Pac-12. They've got a home game against an Arizona State team that's missing their best defensive player in Cam Phillips. That's major. How about Cal? They've got a guy named Evan Weaver. This guy in four games has 63 tackles, 40 of them solo. That's ridiculous. That's more than most teams have. I mean, it's just absolutely mind-boggling when I look at those stats. Jaden Daniels, we're giving this guy too much credit. He went to Michigan State, and he pulled off a 4th and 13 miracle run. Brad, you know that, and you are you were against them. You had Michigan State as a play. So now you're looking at Daniels because he pulled that off as a guy that's going to be able to go into Cal and take care of business. I don't think they're going to be able to do it. Only reason I lean is because Cal's offense is not effective. Chase Garbers came up big in Ole Miss at the right time, but Ole Miss had a chance to tie that game up late, didn't do it. Eileen Cal, it's going to be a big-time atmosphere there, and I think they'll take care of business, but the number mm-hmm, is right. Mm-hmm. The number is right. Well, if the number's right, you don't even lean. You think the number should be maybe five. Well, yeah. With, with, that, with the loss of Cam Phillips for Arizona State on the defense, that's a major loss. All right. And this is something, guys, uh, I sometimes would say behind the scenes, but I, I want to pull back the curtain a little bit. I think we got to get in the habit when we talk about something that everybody knows as part of the handicap, explaining why it matters. Because to me, we were talking, and you know what we'll do? Save this conversation because we're going to talk a big injury coming up or potential injury in the Utah game. And I think that when we were talking before the show, we really crystallized how to approach the injuries and such. So, Fez, my blood pressure has been really low today. Fez is on a study day. But I forgot we haven't given his pick, so. 
Okay, so Fez, uh, I like Arizona State. No, I'll do it in normal. <clears throat> I like. Uh, <laughs> he says, "Hey, he likes Arizona State. Cow overrated. Four no straight up, but they've been outgained three of those four games." So, Brad, does that make sense? Well, I guess it's what Ken's got to answer to. Outgained three times, Ken. Doesn't matter. Arizona State. (laughs) Doesn't matter. Listen, no. I've watched Arizona State's games. Kent State, they didn't cover. Sacramento State, are you kidding me? 19-7, they win that game. They beat Michigan State by a field goal with a last-second touchdown. And then Colorado, they just lost at home. They had all this momentum. So so you were asked a question about Cal, and you were talking about Arizona State. Because that's the opponent, Arizona State. (laughs) Uh, But I'm asking about Cal. Is Cal overrated? Yes, for 4-0, oh, they're overrated. All right, so there you go. Yeah. And that's why it's a lean. Because if they weren't overrated, you'd probably like the game because okay. you think there's a big motivational edge, injury for on the sure. other side. Okay, see? Fez contributed, actually. <laughs> Good job, Fez. Now, I love this music. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> well, he improvs. He'll say anything at any time. Uh, he I passed. feel like the Who's are running around ah! on, on the Grinch. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh, in the USC game, he liked Washington. Oh, wow. Too many tough games in a row. Team will wear down. Stanford, BYU, Utah, now at Washington. <laughs> and then he said, uh, the same BYU team. Oh, Washington completely outclassed BYU, winning by 26 in altitude. I think it's at altitude. The same BYU team that was able to win outright versus USC. One concern, though, Fez says. USC may be on a number three quarterback, Fink. Slash Slovis. Yep. He didn't know who was going to start? He didn't. There's still some questions. Oh, so the, you didn't even mention that. Yeah, but I mean. Yeah, but. <laughs> they're going to most likely at 75%. Fez is debunking you. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, but he says Fink looked real solid against Utah. Yeah. You don't think so? I mean, the, the stats said he looked great. Uh, you're I saying, watched it. He you're did. Saying he the stats, you're saying the stats lie. Yeah. Stats lie. Forget the numbers. Trust me. Mm. Brad That's Powers. what I'm saying. I test. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to wean you guys off at it at some yeah. point. Okay, guys. So Maryland, mm, this is the part from Faz I really disagree with. He goes, 2017, 17, team was decimated by injuries. Now, that's true. I mean, I mean because I remember it. Uh Maybe a quick recap, how decimated? Well, Maryland was down to like their fourth or fifth string quarterbacks during that season. So, obviously, they were better than that season indicated. Yeah. Okay. And then... Randy Etzel era. Well, yeah, but... And then, I mean, last year, this was a very distracted team. They lose... They have a player death. Their head coach gets fired. They have an interim coach the whole season. So... You had a season where you're down your fifth-string quarterback, and then the next season you have all these distractions. So Maryland as a program, probably a little bit better than what they've been as far as win-losses the last couple of years. See, I mean, this gets back to the Allen Boston thing of, oh, each institution has a level. But I'm just not sure two years is, is really going <laughs> to – I mean, did Mar- do you think this line would be – if Maryland had won – how many games did they win the last two years? Uh, five last year, and I think it was four the year before. All right, so they won nine. If they had won 13 games, would this line be different? Mm. No, not that much. If they had beat Temple, where they were this favored year. on the road, they, their last game, yeah, they but were that's favored what I'm on saying. the road. This year, there's them. no, I mean, I kind of get the idea if there was a school really high, like Michigan. I think that Michigan playing poorly this year is certainly going to affect the line this year. 
next year, if they finish and don't make a bowl, let's say, yep. I think that will influence, even if year to year, let's say that you get some good recruits or people are emerging, people are going to just remember Michigan didn't make a bowl. Disappointing. Yeah. I'm not sure how many memories people even have of Maryland. That's a good point. Right? It's almost like Fez is like, it's almost like he speaks another language and he's missing, like he's generally right. You know, you, when you've heard English as a second language, even if they speak very, or let's say moderately well, they don't get the idioms right. There's just certain things. And it's almost like Fez applies these things in, with brute force. But the question is, I mean, really, if your handicap of Maryland of being underrated is 17 and 18, and I say, why? And your answer is, well, they underperform because of injury in 17. They underperform because of disruption in 18. My natural question is going to be, well, what is the ramifications of that underperformance? How is that showing in the line? I don't know if it's showing that much in this line. That much or at all? Yeah. What's your power rating say? 6.3. <laughs> I don't think it is. Yeah. I mean, in a way, he's making a pure power ratings. He's saying Maryland's better than they seem and, and Pitt or Penn State's worse than they seem. And you're saying, nah. Yep. But you two have a $200 bet on it, Ken. There you go. I feel good about that one. Next game, <laughs> obviously a double like, but can you lean against it? So be ready for the counterpunch. Wisconsin favored by 24. Fezzik has Northwestern. He's an alum, overrated as a school. Oof. Brad, you also like Northwestern. Yeah, I'm on the Wildcats here, the big underdog. And to me, Wisconsin's been undervalued this season. Don't believe me? How about this? The Badgers 3-0 and against the spread so far this year. Combined cover. Above expectation by 81 and a half points. But this is the point where they're getting now too much respect in the marketplace. Laying 24 points against a Northwestern team that prefers the big underdog role. I was shocked by this stat. So Northwestern, as a double-digit underdog, this is stunning to me. The last 10 years as a double-digit underdog, Northwestern has a winning record. Not against the spread. Straight up. 10 and 8 straight up as a double digit 10 point or more underdog. They prefer this. Everyone's thrown Northwestern in the trash. Now Wisconsin after that hot start and now the validation blowing out Michigan. Now you got to lay 24 points in an 11 a.m. local sleepy start time for Camp Randall. Give me the Wildcats who are still playing good defense this year. I like Northwestern plus 24. Sleepy start time. Isn't that what the same time they kicked off against Michigan? They didn't look like they were sleeping in that game. You know, I, I, th- I think they were pretty good. At it, early in that game, they were pretty good. 35 nothing before Michigan knew what hit them. Northwestern, their best receiver, Skwronrick. S-K-O-W-R-O-N-E-K. Listen, I'm leaning. I'm leaning Wisconsin. Oh, lean. Listen, I'm leaning Wisconsin because I don't know where Northwestern's offense is coming from. This Hunter Johnson guy that was supposed to be so great. One touchdown, four interceptions. Who's going to score for this team? They only scored 10 against Michigan State, got a touchdown late. If they can't cover that game at home, they lose by 21 to Michigan State, a putrid offense. How are they going to stop Taylor and these guys that just score at will? They beat you up. They're going to outweigh them by, what, 40, 50, 60 pounds a man on the offensive line to Northwestern's defensive line? I think they just wear them down. I lean because that is a high line for a team that would be happy winning by 21. All right, Brad, I'm going to see how much you like this. Yep. So, would, if I said, because remember, you're getting no vig here. Yeah. So, this is a game you would be batting, right? I yep, mean, if you absolutely. like it, you'd be batting it. Um, how many points do you, if I'm willing to, to, to lay it, 
Okay. What number are you comfortable with? You could take 21 and a half. 21 and a half. Yeah. And the current line? 24. I'll give you two and a half. All right. Now that's between me and you. Yep. Because Faz isn't giving me an alternate line. Yep. All right. I'm just, I play numbers. Yep. I don't bet teams. So you must love <laughs> this game. I do like this game a lot. Would you going to give Ken some? I think? Yeah, Ken, I was th- already thinking. I'll give you 21 and a half, too. You want no, it? No, I don't like the heck. Oh! 21. 21. No, oh, my God. Hell no. I give Jesus. you two and a half oh, points Stop, stop. Free. That is a personal affront to Las Vegas, Ken. He's giving you two and a half points. For free. I mean, if he would have said one and a half, you would have asked for a half but more. But he loves yeah. it, RJ. He oh, loves it. Oh, who gives a crap? <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. It's 55, 56%. You get a couple of points, you're right there. Yeah. And plus, the, 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 the but first, you've already shown I, your weakness. I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather watch. You've already shown your weakness. I've got enough games that I'm playing here. You know, some would say, you know, Ken gets pumped up before the show. Yeah. I'm not going to be baited ah. like Brad ah. was last week. I saw how that worked out. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Against Wisconsin, no doubt. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> Well, listen, let me say this. I appreciate your uh, view of things, Brad. You are calm. No one can say Brad isn't calm. <laughs> yeah. $200. <laughs> All right. Now, I wonder if I buy back at 24 and a half. <laughs> Jeez. That's a fast yeah. He'd be on the phone right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> Next get. Oh, by the way, here's his handicap. Let me guess. Wisconsin looked good last week. Oh, no. Uh-oh. Northwestern, where I graduated and had my first kiss, is in their best roles here as an underdog and playing in conference. Northwestern, last four years, non-conference, two and eight against the spread. In conference, 20 and eight. That's 16, 2016, and 19. That's because all the good kids at Northwestern are studying until the games really matter. Is that what he said? No. Oh, I was going to say. <laughs> That's what he said before, yeah. though. He said it here. Yeah. Really? Well, on camera. Or, yeah, on yeah. mic. Oh. He goes, yeah, we study, man. <laughs> and then he goes, and whiskey likely let down spot off of Michigan. Oh, imagine. One concern. Revenge for a 14-point loss. That's a good point. So yeah. Wisconsin lost by 14. Yeah. Could, see, this is what I don't get. How much is revenge and how much is it? You got the same coaches, right? Yep. How much is it is scheme? Mm, Northwestern's covered seven of the last eight. In this matchup. In this matchup. Tough to get separation. Wait a minute. Who did I bet? You bet Wisconsin. Oh, my gosh. I was reading that thinking North. I'm always on the dog in my mind. I was yeah, thinking. I couldn't believe you laid it. Yeah, that's it, though. I'm, a, I'm okay. You still got two and a half points, That's what I'm man, saying, baby. I'm fine. Come on. Try to buy them. And here's my thinking. Remember? That was interesting. Yeah. Okay, I don't think <laughs> I've ever noticed that little part before uh, when it went so low. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's where Feds would get in his words. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. Iowa has an interesting trend. Now, this isn't Fez's goofiness. Iowa has an interesting trend against uh, on the road. Yep. So Iowa, the last 19 times they've been a road favorite, they've won all 19 games straight up, and they're 16-2-1 to the spread. Okay. Now, what's been our rationale to that? Midwestern values that uh, you're, you're never too high, you're never too low. 
Yeah, you know, lunch pail attitude. You go on the road. Take hey, that care that of cow business. needs milk, buddy. Yes. Okay. Workmanlike. Now, would Wisconsin fit that criteria? Yeah, they would. And wouldn't that be that when everyone else is celebrating, they're having a glass of milk, some cookies, and going to bed, getting ready for the next week? Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm. That's, that was where my bet was coming from. I'm not saying I'm right. Just saying I like the number. Next game. Okay, what do we got here? Oh, an, uh, another crossfire from the boys. In this corner, Brad Powers. In this corner, Ken Thompson, obviously pumped up. Oklahoma laying 27. You know something, Brad? You are so full of crap. You go, we see that we have multiple crossfires. And he goes, yep, I went off the beaten path. So when I saw this, I'm thinking, well, Brad had to lay it with Oklahoma. (laughs) I go down, and you're on Texas Tech. So let me guess, a big dog. A Go big ahead. Dog. Make the case. No, it has nothing to do with the big dog. No, it no. has everything to do with an overreaction to Texas Tech's quarterback being out. Alan Bowman out for indefinitely several weeks here for Texas Tech. And I think the market overadjusted too much. This is a Texas Tech team that played multiple quarterbacks just last year. Whether it's Jeff Duffy, who had 1,600 total yards last year, or it's a Rice graduate transfer that they go with in, the, in this game, I don't think... They are a three, four, five, six point downgrade like the market's true. So explain to us how you ascertain that downgrade. This line, you could have bet. In fact, you could have bet this line, actually. This Is one, there a the clear answer to line. my question? The market is downgrading this, in my estimation. Uh-oh. There's the keyword. Yeah. By about six points. Is that my downgrade? Is like valid. three and a half, four points. Well, hold on though. This is valid though. If you did it this way, you look at your power ratings. Yes. You adjusted for the quarterback. I did. And you think the line should be what? Right around twenty-five. And the line is twenty-seven. All right. Now, the question is: If you think twenty-five, and you don't even make uh, adjustments for fourth quarters being closer when yep. you don't. I don't. So that means really effectively. If you look at it, let's think four. So you're saying it's about six points or so per per quarter. Yes. You'd really go even six points. So you're saying this is a tight, tight matchup. Yes. Like you're saying the line should be 20. I mean, I'm telling you, that's the way to do it. Yeah, but when you got higher spreads, you got a total in the 70s. There's more scoring and more Mm -hmm. possessions. I hear you. I hear you. But boy, that, all right, fine. But still, you're talking four or five points of value. Yes. So this is like a monster bet. It's got no, no. It's got to be if it's four or five points of value. Yeah, if you're taking that in consideration. I mean, yeah. just because you were fulfilled. What else would you yeah. take in consideration? Yeah. Except what you think the line should be. Ultimately, Ken approaches things his way. You approach yeah. yours, yours. You out there listening, you approach yours the way you do. Ultimately, all you got is what is the line and what should the line be. Yeah. That's it. You might come at it in different ways. You're saying, which, what do you think this line should be? Because your power ratings are saying... 25. I think the line should be like 23. Uh, you're just scared of your number. If anything, that's showing you don't trust your numbers. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you a break in the following way. The balancing of what do you do in the fourth quarter of these big spreads, because Fezzik's theory, and I think he's right generally, if you look at the fourth quarter line in the NFL, and you can bet those games ahead, quarters ahead of time, even if the, if the line's 10, 12, 14, fourth quarter is going to be about pick them. And the rationale is that if the team 
whose favorite is losing, oh, they're a big favorite in the fourth. Or if they're only up by seven, they're a big – but if they're up by 21, it's probably pick them in the fourth. That's yeah. why you see with extreme results even in halftime, regression is assumed. Mm-hmm. And we see it all the time. Teams do come back, especially better teams. So, to me, there's a decent chance Oklahoma's up here by 40. Yep. And, and then there's a chance they're, you know, not really up that much. You add it all up, fourth quarter line is not divided by four. We know that. If anyone wants to bet me that, all lines over 21 will divide it by four, and I'll take the underdog, you'll be broke very yeah. soon. So, you're not accounting for that. You're also, that would be to your benefit. You're also not accounting for a big spread means more points, means each point is less valuable. I think that's true. I know that's true. So maybe this would be a good offseason goal, and we've been marking them down. Let's do this. Is You're going to find the two or three things, I think we've identified two, that aren't accounted for in your power ratings, and let's start accounting for it, you know, because each year we want to get better. And I think your numbers at the rawest form, down to the hundredth of a point, are the be- the ones I trust the most from Vegas, I think that we can increase the scope. I think you, it generally tells you how good the teams are. It doesn't tell you what the spread should be on the big spreads. Yes, I agree with that. And thus, here we are. But you do see that yeah. even if you make a small adjustment, you're now moving towards the line should be 21-22. Yeah. And it, just, it doesn't feel like it should be that big of a uh, disparity, and it yeah. scares you. It does. So you just say, well, what's the point where I have a best bet? Okay, two and a half. <laughs> then I think it should be two and a half less. And I get it. It's just because you'd never want to feel like you're too far out there. But if you are too far out there, you got to figure out why. Because it can come back to bite you in the other direction, yeah. right? So, Ken, what do you make your case? My case is Oklahoma, to me, looks like a team on a mission. They've flirted with this playoff, but they want to go in and they want to have a higher seed in the playoff. They feel they're the real deal. Jalen Hurts... What he did at Alabama is something you don't see from these kids nowadays. Most of these kids are right into the transfer portal. I'm out of here. What did he do? He stayed under Tua for a year. And if he didn't stay there, they're not even in that championship game because he came up with some big passes. He worked on his game where he was deficient. He's playing at a ridiculous level right now, and they've got the best running game in the country. I just think Oklahoma wears down Texas Tech. I watched Texas Tech when their quarterback was banged up against Arizona. They didn't even score in the second half. They scored 14 points. They were that on is, the field. That's that's not a Texas Tech team, though. A Texas Tech Red Raider team scores 35 when they lose. They scored 14 against Arizona, for the love of God. They're in a lot of trouble this game. <laughs> so, do I have this straight? Kingsbury was there last year. Yes. How's the new coach doing? Okay, Matt Wells. I had not go- his name. I'm asking how he did. Two solid performances, one bad one against Arizona. And they are off a of bye. Two solid performances against Montana State <laughs> and UTEP. UTEP should be FCS, but they're not. <laughs> Montana State if is you had FCS. your way. Oh, for sure. I mean, this UTEP team couldn't be... Downgrade. What's it called? Re- relegated. Relegated. Yeah. Rele- that's right. Put yeah. them out of there. Yeah, get them out of the Premier League. How great would there. it be if Ken got to pick one team a year to throw out of Division oh, One? Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. and, and it was like right before the playoff announcement, yeah. and he came in all pumped up. Relegation. Ah! Yes, I love it. We should make that part of the pod <laughs> yeah. before the, right before the bowl game. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that is good. You know what we'll do? We'll let you do it if you promise to bet $100 a game against them every game next year, the next year. All right. That works. So fi- you can find <laughs> out. It'll be, it'll be before the national championship game. 
You pick a team to relegate. relegate if you feel strongly games. enough, okay. and I'll just bash them the whole year on. I'll say supposedly in Division One. Whenever we talk about it on the radio, all right, cool. We'll, I like. We'll that. hurt their brand by like a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> oh, that's <at> awesome. <laughs> and then it'll be like we don't uh, imagine like in five years it's uh, like oh, Ken Thompson might relegate us yeah. so we don't win this game, guys. <laughs> That'd be like your that's dream. Awesome. That's it. <laughs> Brad, I'm just confused. You were talking about how Texas Tech did last year. There's a whole different coach. With two quarterbacks, I mean. So, like, do we really know? Is this how similar is the offense? Not very similar. Well, I mean, they're still running spread principles. It's still up tempo, but a lot more rushing in this offense compared. So very to, different. Different, yeah. They're not saying air raid at all. They're not saying air raid. Okay, so now the question is: Isn't that the whole plug and play that you kept saying? I remember him cap recently. Why you know a thing about leech, right? You know what's funny. <laughs> RJ can smell blood in the water. <laughs> this was more like, I'm deciding. I'm like, who am I going to go with them? I like here. And this was the one I threw in. All right. So, but somehow yeah, they're just saying like that. that the, your power rating says you should be well, like, well, I'm not as confident because maybe there's uncertainty at the quarter. Maybe I'm not grasping. Maybe it's not a plug and play and offense. That, that's the key. Yes. Is when you, and we've said this recently, I'll say it again. If you're, if the line's off and you understand why, if you came and goes, they're adjust- and you did in a way, but you weren't convinced. Yeah. If you adjust for the quarterback, I think he's fine. And if he's not, I think the backup's fine. You're adjusting for it, market F you. Yeah. That's great. But if you say, huh, you know, I don't know how much better the background quarter- back up quarterback is, then it's like, well, maybe the market knows and maybe he's not going to, you know. And again, I'm not saying they're always going to be right. It's 55 percent yeah. is what these wise guys got. You know, it's kind of crazy. Here, and which Brad and you go when you're confident. I'm sorry, RJ. And, and no, no. He, here's the thing with Alabama. The reason Saban let Hurts go is because he was run first, pass second. And Bowman for Texas Tech is pass first, but Duffy is run first. Yeah. So he doesn't fit Ooh. the air raid because he wants to take off and but run. But they're not running the air raid. They're running, the, they're running more often. But with, not- Bo- with Bowman, they're going to throw a lot yeah. more than they will with Duffy. Now, this is a great time to segue because I'm going to ask you guys about Michigan. And we won't belabor it, but then I'm going to swing back to a point related. So, Ken, what's your situation? Uh, 635. Man. All right, so this is what we'll do. Um, let's get your Michigan thoughts first. Okay. And then we got your best bet. But before, we're going to do Michigan real quick with Ken, but Ken's got his radio show, and he's very thoughtful coming in beforehand and obviously prepared. So you got a couple more likes and the best bet, we're going to rapid fire. First, though, take away a hard ball. It's the big conversation. Yeah, for me, Michigan right now, they hired the Michigan guy. They thought he was the answer. He's under a lot of pressure this year. Why? Because Urban Meyer is not there to beat. So Day, the new guy, is there. And all the focus was at the end of the year against Ohio State. But you got work to do before then, and now the wheels are falling off because they struggle against Army. They get blown out by Wisconsin. So now the whole fan base second-guessing the guy that's the Michigan guy that they wanted there, one of their own, one that left that offense back in his day, I think they're in a lot of trouble. I don't know if it's fixable. Brad doesn't think it is. I'm kind of on the fence right now. But if he doesn't beat Ohio State, I think they part ways with Harbaugh. You know, the question every guy who's thinking of a divorce has to ask is, what's the alternative? Yeah. Right? I mean, I think Harbaugh's way overrated. I think it's almost impossible they get a better coach. But 0-5 against Ohio know, State, that's un- but who you cannot do that. When's I don't the care last who you are. When's the la- all joking aside, though, when's the last time any coach has beaten Ohio State more than half the time? Lloyd Carr, right? Ooh, at the end, he wasn't doing it. 
at the beginning. Time, but it, yeah. I mean, what I'm saying is I think Colin Cowherd's general idea that these northern schools, unless it's a rare yeah. case, Michigan's back in Bo Schembechler's days. And let's be candid. They might be more like Bowling Green. How many Green. titles does they have under Bo Schembechler? Zero. They, true. they might be more like Bowling Green. <laughs> right, Brad? Wow. Soon yeah. enough. I can. Let's wrap it. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying it's yeah. possible. And by the way, I'm gonna when we double back to the uh, Oklahoma Texas Tag, I have an idea. I might be betting Oklahoma here, so just teasing ahead, and I, it's related to Michigan. Okay, Notre Dame, Virginia, Notre Dame off of impressive performance. Brad's gonna be answering for that. He loved Georgia. Whew. Notre Dame, you like them? Twelve point favor, twelve and a half. Hosting Virginia. Yeah, as long as it stays under 14, I'm good with Notre Dame. I just think they're going one way. And Virginia, to me, even though they're unbeaten, this team just doesn't look that good. Virginia struggles. Bryce Perkins has made some great plays, some miraculous play. They had no business beating Florida State, but they somehow got a late touchdown, two-point conversion to push, push a line. But this team's regressing on offense. Defense still pretty good. Bronco Mendenhall, that's a trademark for him. But this offense is going to struggle. Notre Dame's going to pull away. They're going to win this game by two touchdowns plus in South Bend. Okay, we'll be back to that game in a moment. Let's go to... You like Auburn, favored by 11, hosting Mississippi State. Yeah, and this is more or less uh, more of a play against Mississippi State. I don't think Mississippi State's offense is that good, whether it's Tommy Stevens who's been banged up or Schrader who went last week. He's more of a guy that'll tuck it under and rush a little bit more. Hill and Mitchell, pretty good offensive weapons. But Auburn, best in the trenches, I think, uh, in the top three in the country on both sides of the trenches, offensive line and defensive line. And I really saw the coming out party of Derek Brown last week at Texas A&M. If this guy plays at the level that he did last week, this, uh, this defensive line for Auburn is the best in the country. That I'm, I don't care about Utah or anybody else. I think this Auburn defense, what they'll do is they'll slow down Mississippi State, who got a touchdown on an interception return early in the game. And I don't think their offense is that good. I think Auburn wears them down. They win by 17-plus. Okay, a little tease ahead here, more in a little bit. Brad, you're on the other side. Yep. So we're going to have a chance to have a crossfire. And, and Ken will be driving to his yeah. radio show. Yeah. Oblivious. We'll let you know, though, how it went. Next <laughs> up, and then you got your best bet after this, you've got Utah hosting Washington State. See how I did that? Washington. It only says Washington dot, 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 because... Mm. But I said, wait, we already had Washington. Who else could it be? And then five seconds later, I'm like, Washington State. You like Utah. I do like Utah. Why? Because Rice Eccles is one of the best home field advantages in the country. That place will be rocking. And Washington State, as good as Leach's offense is. I mean, how do you combat practice on Monday or Tuesday when you go in there knowing that your quarterback threw for nine touchdowns and you freaking lost? I mean, That's mind-boggling to me. Now you have a Utah team that's smarting off a loss at Southern Cal, has an extra extra day's rest because that was a Friday night game, and they're focused in now on getting back to the basics on what do we need to do. We need to get after the quarterback. That's what our defensive line should be doing. Put Gordon under pressure. They do that. I think they control the trenches. Whether Huntley goes at quarterback or not, they're okay there. Brumfield now stepping in for Zach Moss in the backfield. Had enough of that game against SC under his belt. Now taking the snaps with the ones. I think Utah will be fine to win that game by a touchdown or more at Rice-Eccles up in Salt Lake City. Now, good news for you. Uncle Dave Esler, he's been winning since Moses wore short pants. He likes Utah. We'll have his play when we get through back to this game. Is anybody on the other side? No one that matters. Okay. (laughs) 
Fez. No. Uh, Fez <laughs> leans Utah, and Brad leans Washington State, but no courage of his conviction, so it doesn't even matter. Maybe you can bait him while I'm driving. To uh, I think. Ain't happening. Yeah. <laughs> I got enough action. <laughs> cowboy boots, cowboy yeah. hats. All right. Now, quickly, someone said, might say, amongst you hundreds of thousands out there, wait a minute. Did he just say maybe the quarterback plays and maybe it doesn't? Doesn't matter. Fine. He did. But here's the thing. He is getting the benefit of that in that Utah's discounted right now because of the uncertainty. If you trust the combination of what's the chance of him playing and how much is he worth. So let's say he's worth five. How many points do you think he's worth, Brian? Three and a half, four points, Tyler Hunt. Let's call it four just to keep the yeah. math simple. What's your guess on him playing? This I'd lo- say 70, 80%. Yeah, that's about fair. So maybe this is discounted by a point or so. Yep. What do you think the line's discounted by? Meaning it's you think it's accounting for the uncertainty with the Utah quarterback. It might be a little bit more. Like it's And so what he's saying is, yeah, I like the quarterback uncertainty yep. because I'm gonna come out sometimes I'm gonna break even on it. Or not really that, because if he doesn't play, it's gonna hurt you. But since he's likely to play and you're gaining you know, it's like would you rather have one point in four out of five games, or lose three points in a, one game. Well, I'd rather do the math. I'd rather get the point and all that. You're getting points now, so you're effectively betting some combination of the game itself without regard to the quarterback, and you think the quarterback isn't as valuable necessarily as people think, and you think there's a better chance of him playing. Some combination of that. Let me tell you something. Here's the thing. Slovis goes out second play of that game. So Utah's fought, while it watched film on this freshman – they're dialed into his little idiosyncrasies and what he's doing, his tendencies. They flatten this guy. All of a sudden, a guy comes out, they have no film on Matt Fink, and he buries him. I mean, they just had no clue. USC only rushed for 30 yards or whatever they did, maybe even like less 13. than that. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Malapai actually had 39, but they count the sacks in there. But at the end of the day, they had no film on him. He went in undaunted. And I'm telling you, Utah's going to make Washington State pay. Why? Because they have film on Gordon's ass. You know something? I don't. Ken probably gets underrepresented here. Thirty some years doing this, he it turned on a light bulb. So we talk about all the time. Certain Thursday night teams in the NFL are better because their their uh, schemes are simple. Doesn't mean they're simple in the game. It means to teach them is simple. They do this, and again, Washington State. Leach is famous. He doesn't even need a game. You know, he's going to do what he's going to do. Yeah. You're either going to stop him or you're not going to stop him. But any move you can make, he's already thought about it, right? He's been yeah. getting, you know, and that's how Bobby Fisher, you know, again, I follow chess at least some very closely or closely, is Fisher always played the King's Pond opening. And as the years went by, it was kind of not as modern, uh, some people believed, or a lot of people believed. But he said, I've seen every possible you know, and he on, on when he was black, he would play the uh, Sicilian defense. The uh, there was a uh, it was called the dragon variation. But he always knew what everything you prepared for. He had prepared double as much because he kept it simple. It was these two things. Now, not, it was weren't the only two, but he'd rather have less variety and more depth of knowledge. Washington State is saying, I understand our offense so exceptionally well. We don't care what you do, but maybe that goes and, and bled over to the D where the D isn't necessarily game planning in a way that allows them to come 
I guess it wouldn't even be game planning. It'd be the opposite is if they don't game plan the defense, they're in trouble because you're saying that they face someone unexpectedly without game planning. And I think some defenses are going to be better in that spot than others, just like some defenses or offenses are better without a bunch of, or not better, but better relatively without a bunch of prep time yeah. versus the really schemed up ones like Nagy or whatever, where he needs his prep time. Yeah. It seems like some defenses need prep time and some don't. Yeah, it's funny. It kind of correlates because who's the best bowl coach right now Winningham. with extra time? Winningham for Utah yep. with that extra time, having that extra bowl prep. Okay, so and it's funny. They, now, you can be – some people are so great they can do both, you know, say – but even Bobby Knight back in the day it used to be you don't want to play him the first game of the twin weekend stuff because yeah. he has five days to get ready versus 48 hours. Yeah. So in this case – how does that apply? So, because I heard you saying, I wasn't really following every word of the handicap. So, we're saying there's a defensive team, Ken, that you think struggles uh, when they aren't fully game planned. Well, that was Utah. They just got thrown, a, a wrench got thrown in their whole game plan. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they just didn't react until the second half. Then they slowed it down. But by, by that time, you know, Fink already had his confidence. Instead of them getting after him the way they got after Slovis right away and making him doubt himself, this kid had so much confidence going into the second half. USC was yeah. a team to be reckoned with. And you're saying, Brad, because the flip side of that would be, well, if you need a bunch of prep, if you had time, you're going to do even better. Yeah. And you're saying in bowl games. Utah this is the best bowl team. Whittingham, the head coach, with extra time to prep for that defense. If you're prepping for a certain style of offense, he's great at it. 11-1 and one or something like that? Yeah, 11-2. and two. Just lost. Ken, you didn't know there was such depth to your comment. I had no idea. <laughs> all right, it's best bet time for Ken. And we're doubling back and talking about all the games Ken liked. What are you doing? Why this guy don't carry his money in a wallet? Hey, why does he got carries money in a roll? Now, let's hope we can take that rubber band off and make some good money on Iowa State. This is an Iowa State team that, again, just finds ways to lose to Iowa. They did cover the line, but at the end of the day, they bounced back last week and just lambasted Louisiana Monroe. I mean, 70 points they put up. Brock Purdy threw for three, rushed for three. I expect more of the same moving the ball offensively against a Baylor team that we just don't know how good it is. Look, I like the coach. Matt Rule took a chance, leaving Temple, going down there, trying to restore this program in Waco that was just you know close to the death penalty. Charlie Brewer's a good quarterback. We'll find out how good he is going up against one of the best defenses in the Big 12, probably the best linebacking core. I think he'll be under duress. I don't think Baylor will be able to answer the bell for four quarters. I think Iowa State definitely wins this game by more than a touchdown, R.J. All right, Ken, appreciate it. Ken Thompson on Twitter, Sports X Radio. If you're in any of the 14 states that get his show <laughs> through his 50,000 watts. That's right, Flame baby. thrower. We don't power down. AM 720 KDWM 101.5 on the FM side. That's a $350, please. That's it. It's a <laughs> All right. So, Ken, thank you. We're going to double back. Okay, Brad, your response to Ken's best band. I lean on the other side. I'm not going to, you know, push the green button, but here's why I lean with Baylor. A couple reasons. Number one, I think there's an overreaction to that final score. Both final scores last week, in fact. First, on the Baylor side, Baylor only beat Rice 21-13. What I saw in that game is a Baylor team got up 21-3 at halftime and put put the offense away in the second half as they're gearing up for this big game against Iowa State. And let's listen to Baylor coach Matt Rule Here's what he had to say afterwards. He's like, I believe this with all my heart. 
We needed that game. We needed that experience of, you know, a close game. That's Baylor head coach Matt Rule after that one. So I think the fact for the first time this season, Baylor had some, uh, you know, a game that was came down to one possession. They, they faced a little adversary after blowing out their first two opponents. I think that'll pay dividends here. And I also think this is a little expensive because of that big number Iowa State put up last week. I think there's certain numbers. I think a lot of times people see, you know, 50-point scores, 40-point scores, 72. Iowa State hadn't put up 70-plus points since 1906, the same year the forward pass was legalized in football. I'm going to go with Baylor here. Lean on the Bears. So all the points is good or bad? All the points, it's bad. I'm sorry, RJ. So when somebody so when someone scores really well, it's no, like, no, that's it's bad. The next week, it overinflates it when they say, "Oh, seven. Did you see Iowa yeah, State exactly. last week? Yeah. Seventy-two points." It's interesting. Ken left the sound drop. He says, "If Brad uh, disagrees on my best bet, and after all these years, you know better than butt heads with me." <laughs> I so, like that. You know, I mean, I'm not judging. I like that. <laughs> but again, it's a opinion. So there's no consequence. No consequence. It's like a normal talk show. Yes. <laughs> now, we're doubling back, and we're going to, you know, nice pace now, go through Ken's picks. And uh, if you want to buck them, you can. And I want to tie up what was being said about Texas Tech. I think it applies to Michigan. So first, Brad, what's your take on Michigan and Harbaugh in the future? I've been a Harbaugh guy, actually. I mean, so much so that I took it on the chin last week. I actually backed Michigan in the Wisconsin game. But what I saw in that game, RJ, I don't think it's fixable. He smells. It's not fixable. When you're getting outrushed by 300 yards against Wisconsin, I don't know how you fix that. So the the theory is you're you're too slow for the Ohio States. Yeah. You're too weak for Wisconsin. So how do you fix Which means you're like Rutgers. Maybe it's good to find <laughs> Rutgers this week. Yeah, maybe it is. Because I could understand Ohio State was running by them in that game last year. The crossing routes, whatever, style of play, maybe Ohio State's a bad matchup. But these games against Wisconsin, Michigan's actually had success against Wisconsin. They beat up the Badgers last year. To, to see Michigan be out physical at the line of scrimmage, men against boys, that's one thing I haven't seen yet with Harbaugh. And that's why I'm really concerned because, let's face it, even a couple weeks prior against Army, RJ, in the two most important plays of the game in regulation, when Michigan had to get one yard on fourth down and they lined it up and ran off tackle, Army stuffed them both times. If you can't stop it on defense and you can't do it on offense, what do they have to hang their hat on? Nothing. And and to me, here's the thing we could have seen that I saw. I'm not going to say necessarily you should have seen it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but <laughs> we're talking about the one and only R.J. Bell. Here's my take. How was it anything but desperation that they changed their offense so drastically? Yeah. I mean, do you see – I mean, I guess you could say – I mean, did Saban change his offense drastically or did he let his talent, specifically Tua, tell him what kind of offense he wants to run? Mm. More of the talent. And it seemed like that it was the reverse with Michigan. Was there any sense at all, you know, this team, maybe you could say Patterson's better in a spread. I, I mean, it doesn't yeah. seem. But you think they would have practiced it some to see. Yeah. Right? 
And then there's rumors about the way they hired this OC. Yeah, so Josh Gaddis is the new offense coordinator. He comes from Alabama, and the rumors are there was no face-to-face interview. It was done over a 20-minute phone conversation. That's how long it takes me to order pizza. <laughs> Cause I, cause they're getting it yeah. all extra sauce, but no, yeah. you know it, it's confusing sometimes. <laughs> That's a nice comment. <laughs> <laughs> all right, to me, if you're going to make a change, a fundamental change, you've got to give it three years. Yeah. You got to assume the first year it's going to struggle. Doesn't mean you're going to lose every game. It means whatever you could have been staying status quo, you're going to be less. Why? Because you're paying for the. Few. It's like quitting a job that's getting. You're getting paid 55, but you're starting a job that you're going to get 35, but you think that job within three years can be 60 and above. It may, you know, you got to do the math. If it's all about money, then other is, it's like turning around a steamship, a yep. tanker. I like the, you use that battleship. Yeah. You're not going to be going the, immediately the other because direction. Because you got the people. Yeah. Right. You got to recruit for fast. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like they're fast. <laughs> No, I mean, their best playmaker did come. See, I was hanging my hat on, well, Michigan's best playmaker, R.J., hasn't been playing Donovan Peoples-Jones. We're talking about the one and only R.J. Bell. He played in the Wisconsin game, no difference. But, see, don't you see where you guys, it's yeah. it's almost cognitive dissidence. Dissident, yeah, it's not dissident, dissidence, yes. Is you you want to believe something, and you'll find any pattern. Yeah. That, how much could that guy have been worth? A point. I asked you that same question. And what that meant, yeah. And then I would have said, okay, they would have lost by, you know, 32 or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I get it. He could have one great play and it changes a game. doesn't change the fundamentals. And you're the one that said Army, it was different than the Oklahoma game. It was. That they were, go ahead. Yeah, so, I mean, the Oklahoma game, it really, I mean, it wasn't like Army stopped Oklahoma's offense. Every time Oklahoma's offense either scored or had a turnover. In the Michigan game, and the problem was Oklahoma's defense didn't stop Army. Well, the reality is Oklahoma's defense didn't stop anybody last year. So it was option or not. That was an excusable game. Keep in mind, that game was late, you know, game five or six in the season. So I get that Oklahoma kind of took Army for granted. Don't you think week two after you open up with Middle Tennessee, when you see that score from last year, the Oklahoma Army game, Michigan didn't game plan for the option all summer. You got to think they did. And the fact they couldn't stop the option. And on the other side of the ball, you think with all of Michigan's athletes and outweighing Army by 50, 60 pounds per man, they could just line it up and go up and down the field against Army's defense. Didn't see that either, RJ. Didn't see either. So that's why I don't think that uh, close win was excusable like Oklahoma the year prior. That's the Brad Powers we've all know, grown to love. Virginia Notre Dame. Now, you have a personal thing with Notre Dame. It's, it's kind of weird. I don't want to even get into it. Ken likes Notre Dame in this game. Lane 12 and a half against Virginia. What do you think? I lean on the other side, lean Virginia. And during your handicap, you can bring up, you were just playing wrong. No, I was playing wrong. We'll just start off the handicap with that. Last week, I liked Georgia. I bet Georgia. It was my line mover on the week. Uh, It was my best bet on this podcast. Line moved, went up to 16, but couldn't have been more wrong. And here's where I got wrong. My main handicap I got wrong. My thought was Georgia's rush offense, one of the best in the country, would eventually wear out Notre Dame's rush defense, one of the worst in the country. It started playing out that way a little bit in the second half, but no question about it. Notre Dame, from the outset, was much better defending the run than I even expected. So kudos. Big thumbs up for Notre Dame. Upgrade in the power ratings. But 
My concern is listening to Brian Kelly a little bit after that game, head coach Notre Dame, and he said you could hear it out there. The physicality was real. Probably one of the most physical games I've ever coached in. Here's a guy that's you know th- entering almost 300 games he's coached in back to the early 90s at Grand Valley State. And that would concern me this week. Maybe they're a little bit more banged up against another physical team in Virginia here. And Virginia, I think there's an overreaction to their score last week. And the overreaction was they were trailing Old Dominion 17 nothing in that game as a four-touchdown favorite. And I think it was a clear flat spot for Virginia. Off an emotional win over Florida State, looking ahead to Notre Dame, lean with Virginia here. And here's why it's only a lean and not a like. Virginia reminds me of a couple of ACC teams the last couple of years that Notre Dame's crushed. And it's been that undefeated or one loss ACC team that's come in in the top 20, top 15, and Notre Dame's actually taking these games seriously. And they thumped NC State, and last year in a big game against Syracuse, they thumped the Orange, and I was on the wrong side of both of those, and that's why it's not a like here. It's a lean Virginia. Strong stuff, Brad. Here's what I would say. A naysayer could say, oh, wait, they were losing a game, and why does that matter now? What was the final? 28-17. So they won, yep. clear. To me, the only thing that matters when it comes to public perception is what breaks through. I don't think Maryland from a couple years ago is breaking through today, right? So that's why naysayed Fez on that one in abstentia. To me, if you see a score flash that is just like, What? And it causes someone like me to go look at the money line and wonder, when should I tweet this out? You know, like what the odds are, because you figure it's going to turn around. You want to tweet out as soon as possible so you can get a tweet, but you don't want it to be premature. Then that's breaking through. And I haven't ever talked about this. I'm no specialist at this, but some of this is subconscious. Like the reason we want to bet teams It could be how cool. I mean, let's be candid. Think of Oregon when they were unveiling those uniforms at various times. Remember when Nike was doing that? You can't tell me that kids who want to go to that school because the uniforms are so cool are much different than anybody. Yeah. Right. I mean, I know the, you know, the Ohio State fans pulling down their jersey or pulling down their sweatshirts over their stomach might not seem like fashion plates, but we all just want things that make us feel good. And we want to avoid things that make us feel bad. And I can tell you, betting your hard-earned money on someone who seems to struggle against a school you don't, didn't even know they had a football <laughs> program. Fair enough. There's an emotional reaction. Yeah. So I think you're making a good point. Is You were saying, you know, and I guess what was your general point on this? That you think there was an overreaction. Overreaction. And, right. and that's my point. Yeah. What I'm saying is it broke through. Yeah. To some degree, you might say that uh, – People didn't see that game. They didn't. They probably yeah. didn't see one play. They saw that score. Yeah. They saw people on Twitter talking about that score. Yeah. That breaks through. And they might not even remember it. They just think, ah, Virginia, nah, not my cup of tea. Right? Yeah. I like the founding fathers and all that, but not my cup of tea. <laughs> and that Ralph Sampson, I saw him yeah. on YouTube. <laughs> so to me, he was tough. Sampson might, not tough. He wasn't tough. He was great. Yep. You know, him, boy, think of how good it was. Literally in that span of like 83 to 85, it was Clyde Drack, you know, Five Slamma oh Jamma. Yeah. Ralph Sampson. Patrick Ewing. Patrick Ewing. Great time to be Pearl alive. Pearl Washington for Syracuse. Yeah. 
I mean, <laughs> yeah, Jordan at North Carolina. I mean, what a time! Oof. No wonder I like college basketball. Yeah. So, what breaks through? That's what affects the number. And obviously, if it was a big game like Michigan on TV, and everyone's that broke through times ten. Yep. The question is, what what breaks through that you might not think does? Mm. And, and what I do is, I almost run this by my dad. I usually call him weekly every Sunday morning. And I run by. He, so he's like, like your focus group. He is of, my focus of, of like group. slight. First of all, the fact you talk to your dad every week. Yeah, I think I've talked to my dad like like twice in the in a calendar year. That's been us being in the same room a lot. Yeah, <laughs> during football season, I like to call him because I man, this no, is I think horrible. it's no, no, no. I'm yeah. saying congratulations. Yeah. I don't think it's bad. Yeah, but. I get, and his response was, boy, Virginia really struggled exactly. with this Old Dominion. Exactly. And that's where I got in my head. I'm like, huh, if that's the narrative, uh-huh. I might have some value on Virginia this exactly. week. Exactly. What breaks through? Auburn, Mississippi State. Now, this is the one that you guys have a crossfire. Ken at Auburn. Now, by deduction, you've got to have Mississippi State. Here's what we're going to do. One and only one commercial break. And then it's going to be Crossfire, Brad's best bat, Esler's best bat. Ooh, wee. <laughs> Last and new, we've got Prime Video Thursday Night Football. Now, are you an Amazon Prime member? I am. Did you know that they have Thursday Night Football? That's correct. Thursday Night Football has returned to Prime Video for a third season. Now, the cool thing is you can catch all the action on your TV on the web or on your mobile device anywhere in the world. The, the, <clears throat> three, two, one. The experience they call is next level. They have an x-ray feature. You can access next-gen stats, play history, team information, and now... On iOS, Android, Fire tablets, and Fire TV, there's all the places you can benefit from all these, you know, augmented. You've heard of augmented reality, which is a big concept in some businesses. This is great. High IQ stuff. And listen, sometimes you just don't like the announcers. Well, it's covered here. And if you're ready to hear a new take on the game, you can switch over to sports broadcast legends, Hannah Storm and Andrea Kramer for the play-by-play. So if you don't have cable or simply want to experience the future of football, that sounds good, tune in this Thursday. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern, kickoff 820 Eastern. Now, it's also available on Fox and the NFL Network, and the NFL Network simulcast is subject to change. Thursday Night Football, presented by Bud Light Platinum. Let's hit it, baby. You got Mississippi State. They are plus 11 in this crossfire bet. Yeah, I like Mississippi State here. And to me, number one factor is, you know, quarterback situation for Mississippi State. There's a good chance they're going to go with the true freshman here. I don't think he's a downgrade compared to Tommy Stevens, especially what I saw from Garrett Schrader last week in his first start against Kentucky. He threw for 180 yards, but he gave Mississippi State's offense a different dimension that Tommy Stevens just doesn't, and that's running the football. 125 rushing yards against Kentucky last week. They're going to need that kind of dual threat ability here against a very good Auburn front, 
And here's where I think Auburn's being a little overpriced. We're starting to get to the point in the season where I think the semi, uh, I wouldn't even call them sharp, but the people that bat regularly are going to start looking, boy, Auburn's 4-0 against the spread, more of the same. Let's look at those four covers for Auburn. Opener against Oregon, one of the most fortunate covers we've seen so far this season. Then a one-point cover against Tulane, a half-point cover against Kent State, and the only game they've greatly exceeded expectations was the last time you saw Auburn when they pulled an outright upset over Texas A&M. So you get into that point now where, ooh, 4-0 against spread, got to go with Auburn here. I don't think that's the case. I'm on Mississippi State. This is a fascinating concept. And first, I'm going to say this. If, if Ken, I'm not going to do it to Ken if he's not here because I fear for my safety. If, <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I mean, it's not out of niceness yeah. or anything. Self-interest. Your handicap, I agree with, 50 times more than the typical Fez way to approach this. What Fez will say is that score wasn't telling and here's why. And about half the time it's BS, in my opinion. You're saying that we're doing, in a way, a cliff note version of how the game played, which is effectively the ATS result. Yes. Not the margin. It's WWW. Yeah. The fact they won by a half point, most people don't even realize that you're taught, at least let's say a segment of the audience yep. that knows, hey, someone tweeted out they're 4-0. And also the fact that Auburn's a team – that's played exceeded expectations greatly this year, right? Yes, absolutely. So where did they start for you? And where are they now in the Brad Powers power ratings? Because on Paul Feinbaum's show, there was a fellow on, I hadn't heard of him, who was making a big deal about these are the teams, if you just look at this season, and didn't care about what your expectations were. It's not about what high school the kid went to, not about what kind of star recruit he was. Well, it's kind of related. I'm kind of making fun, but... To some degree, that sounds democratic. Why should your expectations, Brad, mean anything? Yep. I get it, except if we played 162 games like baseball, I'd agree. Come in a year, I don't give a F what your expectations were. What were you? You only play 12, 13 games. And if you're a good team, how many are competitive? Four, five, six, yeah. maybe? If you only have six games, it can't all be the scoreboard. All right? So... Where'd you have Auburn? Where are they? Well, where they've... There's no well. Where, where did you have them? Where I are I had them um, number 10, and they're only a number 8 right now. All right, so you... Now, I've you upgraded higher them than a lot of people? I was much higher on Auburn than a lot of people. So, so AP what do you think pol- the consensus was? And AP, to me, is a popular... Okay. What do you think? That, how many times have you bet Auburn? Because if you were high on you should have bet them the first couple of weeks, in theory, or at least it would have been a deep consideration. You know, that's a great point. I was, I think they were gaudy in my rankings as far as, hey, they're uh, you know preseason number 9 or 10 in my rankings. But when I extrapolated that into their schedule, I still only came up with Auburn right around an 8-4 and four type of team because their schedule is so tough. So I, I didn't get that. But had they had the tough part of the schedule yet? Yeah, they've had two of them so far. Mm. And, they, but, and they won both against won, the spread. Won both against the spread. Very fortunate against Oregon. <laughs> Okay, I, I'll accept yeah. that because that really was. So a, that was one. The most impressive performance was the last one, and I upgraded him a point and a half after that one, RJ. And that was? Against Texas A&M, Auburn was a three-and-a-half-point road underdog, won the game, clearly. Did you bet game. A&M? <laughs> I did. So, so you were high on Auburn, and you bet him zero times this year and bet against him once? Yeah. Doesn't make sense, does it? No. Well, it does. I just, if we, 
Well, let's just say this. If I had to bet, if you said you were high on Auburn, I'd bet you'd been on them more than against yeah. them. But there are circumstances in every game. Yeah. If it was just power ratings, it'd be easy, right? Yep. Though getting good power ratings isn't easy. So you disagree with the guy who said that Auburn's been the most Who's If we only looked at this season, who's been the most impressive? And I'm not saying impressive relative to expectation. Saying we all had our collective memory white. We didn't know anything. And we just see the games that's been played. Wisconsin. Wisconsin's at the top of the list. Yeah. Auburn's up there? Yeah, they're up there. Who else? California. Because, I mean, they're 4-0 and won a big game at Washington, a game at Ole Miss. They've actually beaten some teams. Uh, so you're saying that looks like Alabama might look. <laughs> I mean, really, right? No. no, I mean, Clemson, certainly. I mean, they blew out Georgia yeah. Tech, blew out Syracuse, beat Texas A&M by two touchdowns. They'd be at the top of the list, too. Alabama, I mean, they haven't played anybody, but they've crushed everyone. Ohio State. That's what I'm certain. saying. Yeah, Ohio I'm saying that there. these teams that have won the tough games and gotten margin in the end. Yes. And you're saying Cal fits that bill. No, I'll take that back. I mean, so how do they fall short? Well, they haven't fallen short. They've just been. Oh, rel- it can be one or the other. They either fit the bill or they fall short of the bill. They've ex- certainly exceeded. I'm expect- not talking about expectations. Okay. I'm saying who's the. So let's start all over yeah. and try and listen to me. Who are the teams, if you didn't know anything coming the year, that would be your top teams? Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Wisconsin. Okay. So no one that's – Wisconsin would be the one that was yeah. – well, Ohio State, too, has really gone up. Yeah. But no, So no one's done – so Cal, for example, why wouldn't they be on? Well, they haven't really got margin. I mean, if I'm just looking at, oh, they, they beat North Texas only by six. They, mm-hmm. they beat Ole Miss by eight, Washington by one. So they've been, Well, well, you don't need margin if you're playing a top school yeah. like Washington, right? Yes. So, okay. All right. So their, their big wins look good. They just haven't gotten margin yes. against the other teams. Anyone else fit the bill? I mean, Oklahoma, certainly. So how have they fallen short? Or are they next on the list? Now? Yeah, they'd be next. Them and LSU would be next on the list. There's six teams that have just So you're like, saying LSU is sixth. Like, what could they have done more? I guess they... Hmm. And it's fat. And again, this is yeah. one we didn't plan on yeah. asking. So it's, a, in a way, what we're hearing is the way you would have thought about it if I asked you before. Yeah. Which I like pulling back the curtain sometimes. Not always, if you're, you know, undressed or whatever. Just <laughs> for everyone's sake, the I think it's so fascinating about in football, what percentage of your assessment of a team after four games is based on how they did this year and what percentage is your expectations coming in, which sounds, oh, your expectations, like a parent having expectations for their kid. No, this is based on pedigree. Recruiting, how they did last year, returning starters. It's all it can be. Game one, that's all it is. Yeah. After four games, how would you split it up? It's getting near 50 50, but I'd still say the, mm, the favorite. I think that's too quick. Yeah, the favorite, I would say 60 40 preseason still. Yeah, I hope so. Because to me, even in these four games, how many tough games is Alabama? Yeah, that's a good what do point. we really know about Georgia? How much do we know about Georgia? I say this every year, seemingly. Yeah. Like, do we know Notre Dame was. So much better, or, or Georgia just wasn't as good as we thought. Good point. You just don't know. Yeah. And that's why in the NFL, I always like week three and four because, and I also think it's hard to bet early because sometimes that Thursday game tells you something. Sometimes the early games tell you something, meaning the one o'clock starts for the four o'clock. Every game's huge. Yeah. You know what I'll do for tomorrow's pod? 
is I'm going to pick a game in which you can't bet this one or it'd be tougher to bet this one late because the earlier games are going to tell you something. Because I'm a big fan of correlated parlays. So let's say after week one when Tennessee blew out Cleveland, which was a big surprise result. Let's say you were a skeptic of Cleveland. You were a skeptic that Tennessee was all that good. Well, you could have a bet where the next week you have a a two-team parlay in which you had whoever played first. I guess if I'm remembering right, the Browns played on Monday night. Yep. So what you could have done is with the parlays, you could have said, I'm fading Tennessee, and they were hosts. I remember now because we lost this game. They were hosting the Colts. So I'm going with the Colts plus three. And, oh, by the way, I'm going to go with – now, in this case, it didn't work out. I'm going to also fade the Browns because I think if Tennessee shows themselves not to be very good, then then Browns must suck. That's an awesome point. Right? And the question is, do you wait for the one game to bet the other or do you parlay it? Because there is a correlation, I think. How much the correlation is, I I don't think anyone's ever figured out. And I get some kind of poo-pooers on this. Like sharp people. I – not all, but some. I think they hate it if there's something they hadn't thought of. <laughs> so, but to me, it's just hard to imagine that if you're taking the one result to mean anything. And, you know, we've said it before. Week one means the most of any week. It, people overvalue it, but it means the most. That how having a second data point is, is irrelevant. It has to be relevant. So people always ask me, when should I bet? What we know for sure is the line gets sharper statistically over time. Doesn't mean any individual game. Line gets sharper every hour that passes. So you want to bet it as soon as you have all the information. That's my standard that you need to bet. Sooner is better. But if you need additional information, which is how good is this team that just beat my team, I think in week two it makes a ton of sense. In week eleven, not so much. Yeah. Right. So I think in general, bet later early in the season, though I think most people bet way too late anyway. So I, I, I don't even like saying it, but I think it's accurate. So what else we got here? Oh, I liked one more thing you did. And this is new to me. I love it. Let me make a quick note. But to be very specific, when I say later, I mean only if you get to watch games and results, meaning if your choice is betting between Sunday and Wednesday, bet Sunday. If your choice is betting between the prior, and I mean the prior Sunday, the prior Sunday and Wednesday, bet Sunday. If it's a prior Sunday and the next Sunday at 6.30 Eastern or or 7.30 Eastern before the night game, maybe wait and see what happened. If you feel like last week's results were telling. If the prior week was line was three, it fell three. Yeah, I guess you still care because if the team ends up blowing someone out, you would think, oh, that's a more impressive push. But how, you know, really ask yourself, how much is the first week's results affecting your handicap? If it's significant, you better wait for the, or you should wait maybe for the game to see how, in, how indicative that first week performance was, right? And how do you find that? How does that opponent do the next week? Yeah. Other thing I like that you did was a quarterback might be the same, but in college, there's such a variety of running quarterbacks versus this versus that. If they don't have the same style, how does that team's, the opponent's defense do against this style? So the game you talked about, this Kentucky, they had a mobile quarterback, got replaced by more of a pocket passer against Florida. I think it was that um, 
It was like, oh, they need a mobile quarterback to hope to break a play or two. Yes. I love that. And, and it seems like you touched on that's that the here. Same, yeah, that's the same case. So, so explain that here. So uh, in this case, Garrett Schrader is going to be the new quarterback for Mississippi State. And Mississippi State's going up against arguably one of the best defensive lines, if not the best defensive line in college football in Auburn. And they're going to need them. But if you got a pocket passer sitting back there, he's like a sitting duck. There's going to be stuff that doesn't go wrong. And I'd rather have a guy that can break containment, get outside the pocket a little bit. And I have that with Garrett Schrader in this game. Next game, Utah, Washington State. This is one where both Ken and now we're going to listen to Esler likes Utah. Fez leans Utah. Lo and behold, though, Brad leans Washington State. And we talked a little bit about prep time and all this. So first, let's listen to Uncle Dave Esler. This guy's been winning money for me. And by the way, Brad, since Ken's not here, I don't, you know, again, for your safety, I, I don't think we should bet against him. But since I'm back in Uncle Dave, every pick Dave makes, and I don't even talk to him, this is blind faith. Every pick he makes, if you guys disagree, and you know how much I love you, I'm taking Dave. Do I think Dave's better than you? No. I think Dave is at your level. It's the highest level that I know. He's at your level. But you guys don't think he is. I know you want to act like you do. You don't. You know why? Because Dave is not in the Vegas echo chat. Oh, I don't see him over at the blah, blah, blah. Who gives a shit? Those are the kind of places... If I walk in, they're going to be like, oh, my gosh, that's RJ. Because I'm not there. I'm not hanging out with losing handicappers. And let's be candid. What's been your impression of the Vegas guys? Not everyone. There's the creme de la creme. What's been your general impression? Not impressed. <laughs> Why? Uh, just I, I don't think they're as sharp as they think. I mean, then they think. Then they think. They have duct tape yeah. on their shoes. Yeah. Do you have duct tape on your shoes? Not yet. Ask baby. yourself, everybody. Yep. <laughs> so I like, even if I'm 50 50, there's no VIG. Because if Brad and Esler disagree on a game and he's not giving me multiple points, I think we're probably 50 50. But you don't think so. I know you're going to fight. You're, and I think amongst you and Fez and, and Maddie Holt, you're the one that's the least disbelieving, more believing. Yeah. But I still think you think you're better than Dave. And I love taking Dave blind because even if I win half the time, when I lose, you're going to feel like, oh, yeah, of course. But when you lose, it's going to get at you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So let's just say, well, listen to him. But you can make your lean alike and you've got a bet. <laughs> we'll see if you do it. Here's Uncle Dave. Saturday afternoon, like Utah minus five over Washington State. First things first, I know Moss is questionable. Utah ran for 247 yards at SoCal without him for over half the game. I know Huntley's questionable. Shelley's more than capable. Everyone knows what the Cougars let the Bruins do, and I just don't think you emotionally recover from allowing 50 second-half points at home as an 18-point favorite in a week on the road. And this is State's first true road game. State's going to want to pass. No secret there. You can't do it without the ball. And Utah's going to pound it all night long because State's rush defense is 96th in yards per play, and Utah second in the nation in giveaways per game. State won't see the ball. Defensively, points per game, big edge to Utah. If I can have the better coach, the better defense, laying less than a TV at home, I'll take it. Cougars are 1-3 ATS, about to be 1-4. Give me the Utes minus 5, and if Huntley and Moss play, that's going to be a great number. 
Remember, guys, he's got a different perspective. I like the way he addressed the quarterback there. And, again, he records a little bit earlier. And I'm fine with that. Even that disadvantage. Bring it on. You can follow him on Twitter. He's an interesting Twitter follow, at Dave underscore Esler. So, Dave underscore, then E-S-S-L-E-R. Brad, you're going to up it? To I, a, no, I'm not. There's just too many uncertainties here, but mm-hmm. I'm going to price. That's what professional betters handle. Yeah, I'm going to price, price them. Yeah, I'm going to price them, but I'm still not highly confident with the uncertainty here. So let's break it down, the uncertainty. First off for Utah, running back Zach Moss looks like doubtful. Got hurt in the USC game. If you don't know who Zach Moss is, he is a legitimate RJ, top 10 running back in the country. He's worth at least a point. So this line is at least saying he's out here. And now the second. This well, it's the- not necessarily saying he's out. It's saying, and let's be cl- so. So let's walk through this together Yeah. because we did a little bit before the show. How much do you think the quarterback's worth? Tyler Huntley's worth three and a half, four points. Let's call it four. Okay. How much is the running back worth? One point. What do you think the odds of the quarterback being out are? Mm, 20%. So that's worth 0.8 points of discount. Yep. What do you think the odds of the running back being out? 80%. All right, so that's 0.8. Yep. I just did that in my head. Yep. 1.6 points of adjustment. <laughs> Let's call it 1.5. Yeah. What do you think the line should be? Uh, if everything was equal, Utah by 6.5. What's the current line? 5. Hmm. See, Vegas does this pretty well. Now, here's what you can do, though. You can disagree on how valuable the quarterback is. Disagree on how likely he is to play. If you disagree on any of those, either he's less valuable, he's more valuable, he's less likely, more likely. You can have a pick based on an injury. Anybody that says, oh, yeah, uh, I like the other side because the center's out. Well, how much is the line being accounted for? Now, I will say this. There are certain situations that Vegas, the market, typically undervalues cluster injuries, where it's one plus one plus one equals four. It's also, I think, lesser known players, right? The big name. Now, where they tend to overvalue is the big names, Cam Newton. Yeah. One of our picks in the Super Contest, we call it the perfection personified week, (laughs) is the 5 0 was. We had a little extra line value. I know you don't value that much, but we took the plus three (laughs) with Carolina, and it was good, right? The quarterback, I think, overperformed. Cam's adjustment was way too much. So big names. Now, what you can do, and this is new, is you can predict the chance of a guy playing well or even playing. How? Because there's guys online that are like former NFL team physicians that look at the injuries and say, listen, they say four to six on this one, but I tell you, the way he injured that, I think it's going to be longer. And then all of a sudden, come four weeks in, you hear questionable, you go to that guy's Twitter, he says, you know, I'm still not, you know, now you can be betting on the chance of him playing mm. if you want. Anytime there's uncertainty, Vegas will price it. Now, they get a little scared. They like to wait to price it. I don't like that. I'd rather them just price yeah. it. Because there'd be more action, more chances to take a position. But in general, now listen, if you can't do that, I'm not talking about you. If a person, then it's best to stay away from the game. But a, a typical Vegas pros, the guys like Fezzik are masters at that. Uh, you're going to be a guru at figuring out how much a guy's worth. Fezzik's going to be better probably what's the chance of him playing. Yeah. But this is all about pricing uncertainty. Yeah, and 
I'm glad you brought that up. So I said that the quarterback's worth four, running back's worth one, but I mean, simple math says four plus one equals five. I think this is an instance. You're taking your two best playmakers out of the Utah offense. I'm not sure four plus one equals five in this instance. That's where I think the value is. That's why I lean with Washington State. Good stuff. All right. I think, let me see. I think we're your best bet next, right? Best bet or hate? We got Fezzik. Oh, wait a second. Fezzik's got to have you know, one. He, we got two games. I he think. put him wrong. You know what we're going to do? Let's do your best bet first. Because right. I got a feeling with Fez, <laughs> there might be a special guest coming by. I'm not yeah. sure. I can't. I don't want anyone. If someone doesn't want Brad Power's best bet, I don't want you sticking around for the potential special guest. But I think we're going to have one. But first. Don't know. Give us a piece of your mind. So this we're all three and one on best bets. I'm going to say that at the start. So for the first time this year, we're going to go off the beaten path a little bit here. So you're questioning your your your, your many years of fifty. No, 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 not question it. Here's where I think there's some really strong value. I love this handy. So what's off the beaten path? Off the beaten path is the Mountain West Conference. Oh, so we're to say not a different approach to picking. Yeah, you're saying you were in a way you were saying. You don't want to say it because it sounds ridiculous. Yeah. But what you were really hinting at, at a subconscious level, you wanted the audience to think, well, Brad's telling us that he wasn't giving us his best picks because you did win the last two times with your premium stuff. Yes. You're saying he was trying to give us a game that we, the peons, could understand and appreciate because it was like <laughs> a big game and it's on TV and we like TV. Like you're like looking at Yeah, that's at, fair. And you're saying because of that. Your ego thought I could win with my fourth best pick as easy as my first. I was thinking that, yes. And now you're 0 3 and 1. 0 3 and 1. And now we're in the Mountain West. Now we're in the Mountain West. That's justice. <laughs> Thank you, RJ. <laughs> so here's the handicap. First, you're going to love this, RJ. <laughs> first major cold front of the season hits the West this weekend. Right now, game time temperatures. This is Nevada. Best bet is Nevada minus two <laughs> over Hawaii. My goodness. Major cold front. At least you didn't say Nevada. Yeah. Nevada minus two. And here's it's a late game. So kickoff time is about 8 o'clock West Coast, Pacific Coast time. Game time temperatures scheduled to be in the 40s. And I don't care, RJ, if you're going lifestyle from Waikiki <laughs> or the rest of the island. The temperature in Hawaii all week is in the upper 80s. And now you're talking nearly a 40 degrees cooler for the first time they're going to feel it this entire season. And also, on top of that, you're going to elevation, 4,610 feet in elevation. That's where Nevada plays Mackey Stadium. I think that's a significant factor here. And on top of that, well, how does Nevada do against Hawaii when they host them? Is it a factor? It is a factor. Last five times, Nevada's hosted Hawaii in altitude. They've won all five, and they've won all five by 10 points or more. Nevada has owned Hawaii. Average cover the last seven meetings, 10 points per game. Hawaii's a bad road team since 2012. Hawaii on the road, 8 and 35 straight up. Why do I bring up? How about against the spread? Only 36% against the spread. And I brought up 8 and 35 because we're dealing with a line here, RJ, less than a yeah, field goal. See, that's faulty logic, though. Really? Is Here's why. All right. In those games that they were, let's, so I'm assuming in this case, if it's so much work, so. 
what is the win percentage straight up? What's the win percentage? Uh, After like eight, eight and thirty-five straight up, sixteen, twenty-six and one. So it's better against the spread. Yes, which means they've been underdogs in those games. Yes. that net they covered some games they yes. didn't win by definition, which means that the mismatch was greater than it is in this game. Yes, fair enough. Oh, no, no, this yeah. is something that every yeah. straight up. This is what the again. I like Mark Lawrence. He's been personally fine with me, but the whole oh we're getting these points. Or um, we got a guy that, or a team that's only lost one out of 40, and now they're pick them. It's like, yeah, but they're pick them for a reason. This team they're playing is a lot better Good point. than their other team. So. Add it all up, Nevada best bet minus no, two over No, and, and that doesn't invalidate. No, no, no. Let's just focus on your ATS. Yeah, yeah. Say your ATS one more 16, time. 16-26-1 against the spread, falling short by three yeah. points per game. People, Some things that just get underestimated by the market yep. again and again, and I love the weather stuff. I love it, and I also love this, and this is kind of underneath. When we talk about in NFL, a team like Green Bay that has maybe the best home field advantage because theirs is more durable. Why? Because it's about the slickness of Lambo mostly. Mm. I mean, yeah, it's the cold. It's the crap. No, it's mostly that's a weird feel. That's what they all say. Seattle, New Orleans, if the teams are good, they're good. When they're not so good, the home field drops off because it's crowd noise based. Now, with Green Bay, you would think, well, they're going to be underrated or overrated on the road because no one's really acknowledging how big of a home field it is. And if you look, Aaron Rodgers... In pretty much any period, I know going back seven years, he's been below 500 straight up on the road. This is a team that's been in Super Bowl contention most years, and they're not winning even half their home games because people are just looking at their blended record, and they're not accounting for how much better or how much big, bigger an advantage Green Bay has at home. Yep. Hawaii has a great home field advantage, don't yep, they? they do. And they have a disadvantage traveling, which is the physical side, the reality of the air yes. flight. And thus you add it up, they look better at home than they really are, even with typical home field, and they have more of a burden traveling. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better. And the numbers show it. They do. All right, you guys, let's listen up. Something being taught. <laughs> All right. I'm going to do Fezzik's best bet. Yep. Listen up, everybody. Nebraska plus 17 and a half. They're undervalued, Nebraska. They barely beat Illinois, 42-38. Hey, Brad, did you ask your dad about that game? (laughs) No, I didn't. (laughs) Nice. But Nebraska won the yardage battle. I looked at the box score. (laughs) By 374 yards. But they almost somehow lost the game. Minus three turnovers. But Ohio State, RJ, all due respect, they're now an ultra-public team, overvalued. 4-0 straight up, four straight blowouts. A lot of people might say, RJ might even say. (laughs) Winning four straight games, covering and blowing the teams out, how could that be good? I don't think it is. (laughs) Now, RJ also might say, wait a minute. How'd that team do in the fourth quarter? Did they run it up? Brad, what do you got? 
They didn't. Actually, when you look at Ohio State's first game against uh, FAU, no, they got up 28-0, sat on it. Indiana, up big time early, sat on it. Uh, Cincinnati game, up like 28-0 right out of the gate, eh, they only went 42-0. I would argue that Ohio State hasn't really run What about up. the 70-5? Well, that one's a little different. <laughs> After but, they but were how down, many points did they score? 76 points. No, what I'm saying is how many points did they score in the second half? 30, it was like 34. I think it was 42 to 5 at halftime. Still a lot. And I got to tell you something. I came prepared for this game. Did a little back of the napkin work. I think this is insightful, actually. And it kind of pulls back the curtain a little bit, too, uh, on, on some of the math side. It's felt to me, and we've talked about it, that Ohio State hasn't pressed yeah. in the second half. They haven't been ambitious for margin. Now, at some point, a team's so bad if you just run. You know, did you feel like they were calling plays last week? That, no, they were just Miami, Ohio was so bad that they just kept scoring. And, I mean, they weren't doing even any tricky run no, plays, right? No. And I'm betting, like, with, like, three minutes left, they started kneeling. <laughs> well, the, the, light, the game got called with three minutes left in oh, the game. But, oh, that's Lightning. interesting. There was weather, so that kind of... So that's interesting, though. If it would have been a couple minutes before, it would have been no action. Yeah, it would have been. Ooh. Ooh. All right. So here's what I did. (laughs) I went back in the database. I said, let's go from 2010 on because that's the modern era. I think it's fair to say with more passing, more margin. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. College football. And I said, I want to find teams because Ohio State's won their games by an average of like 44 points. Yep. 44 points per game. And I said, all right, let's take all teams that win their games between 40 and 50 and then figure out, and I know we could have done this individually, but it would have been a lot harder. Let's just take all those and say, well, what, what's the, because that's what Ohio State's average. Yeah. How many points does the team score in the first half? How many in the second half? If you win by between 40 and 50. You would think more in the first half because yep. you're not trying to run it up every time. Yep. Right? Some teams you'd think. And that's what we did. And we had over 500 games in the database. So it's the individual game itself that was a margin of the winning team between 40 and 50 points. And in those games, they had 60% of their points in the first half, 40% in the second. Okay? We thought it'd be that. Eh, sounds right. Ohio State, in their actual games, have had 67% of their points in the first half. 33 in the second. So to me, I think one, if we did that analysis without the most, you know, Miami of Ohio game, it would be even more extreme. The Buckeyes have not tried to get margin in any game. So that's saying they're overrated. I think maybe they're underrated. So I'm pretty much going to press the button on this. I'm 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 at 80%. So Brad, I don't, I didn't quite hear this. I was in the snack room. Like, you're refusing to pick this game. Yeah. What's the rationale? Well, I mean, after you gave out the Fezzik's handicap, sound pretty... Oh, uh, wait a minute. So you're saying that you did like Nebraska. I did like Nebraska. I, through sarcasm, my sardonic nature, the help with uh, sound effects, I didn't make it sound impressive. No, it sounded like a bunch of duct tape. And then I came in with some numbers. Yep. I wonder if Fez knows what percentage of the high state's points were in the first half. I bet he doesn't know. No. So, again, here's the thing. Fez 
is an originator in the NFL. He knows things I couldn't dream of knowing in the NFL. He, he handicaps his colleges an inch deep. Now, the funny thing is, on the pod, it's to our advantage. But when he's betting on Saturday, he's got the – and again, that's what you get with his premium late stuff – is he's getting the benefit of all of his network. The guys that are betting his NFL because he's giving it to them are giving him his college. And you know, Fez, he's only giving his NFL to people (laughs) that are really good at college. Yes. His history in college is great. I just don't trust him on, on Tuesday. (laughs) All right. There's a guy I knew he was a drug dealer and you know, it was on the scene back in the day when I was, you know, around bands and you know, I wasn't a drug guy, but around bands and stuff. And wait, I wasn't. Yeah, that wasn't good. It's, just, it's so funny when you think about it. Is is like you know, is if anyone sniffles and they're talking about drugs. It's like people sniffle all the time, yeah. right? But they're. That's I'm it. not a drug. So, so the thing is, I have no desire to bet against Fez on Saturday. I have a, an appetite on Tuesday, but there was this guy. Uh, I won't say his name, but. He was a tough guy, but he used to carry around, you know, like a, you know, whatever, an ounce of this, an ounce of that. And he always used to want to count other people's money because he, you know, he was struggling to get, you know, it wasn't some tycoon or kingpin. And one time he went to a buddy's of mine house and he comes and goes, what's for dinner? And they go, uh, oh, pork chops and whatever. He goes, Pork loin on a Tuesday? I only eat pork loin on Sunday. <laughs> so for 30 years, it's like yeah. been, uh, 20 years. Pork loin on a Tuesday? <laughs> that is a certain breed, though, that what you eat. Like, I wouldn't think I shouldn't have a steak on Wednesday if yeah. I want to stay. I mean, I guess that's uh, privilege. Yeah. There's certain people, they're not eating pork loin on a Tuesday. <laughs> now... How much were you going to handicap this before my numbers, or the numbers just got you off it totally? Numbers got me off of it. I wish, oh, if only there was another person. Oh, wait a minute. First appearance this season. Haystack, where you been? I've been doing some things on the farm a little bit. Co- closing up, man. It's, you know, harvest season. We got the beans done. Uh, you know, corn crop wasn't too good this year. We got a little too wet in the spring. But, yeah, we, we got things shored up on the farm. So, uh, we all good to bet some football now. And you purposely, I heard there was a rumor, you wanted this game. I want this game. Are you kidding me? I've seen a couple games now. So, now, now you, you, it's okay to bet them. And here's what I've seen. I've seen one team win 76-5, to 51-10. to Forty-two nothing, uh, and now I'm only laying seventeen and a half points against a, a team that only beat Illinois by four points last week. Lost to Colorado, almost lost to South Alabama. Give me a team that won by seventy last week. This is easy, RJ. I'm taking the Buckeyes. Oh, minus seventeen and a half. Hey, Sack, you seem a little sleepy. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> You're still. I don't know about still- little- I don't know about a little sleepy. We might have gotten into the stash a little bit there. The moonshine? A little moonshine. Now, where is your farm? What's its proximity to Las Well, we don't go into that too much here. I'm a little sleepy because I had drinking a little moonshine on the plane ride over here. Well, hey, Sag, you are welcome back anytime. All right, now. Now he have me. He's leaving. Now, what's amazing is he carries his own boombox. It's like an old 80s. 
We don't hear the end of his song very often. No, we don't. Here's what I've taken away. One, I'm not betting against Haystack because he... He, he won last he, year. He won last year. Yeah. He makes... Let's make sure we log him this year. Yeah. He makes common sense, right? And number two, we now know that Fezzik assumes that every better other than him is Haystack. Yeah. Because every handicap is pretty much fade in Haystack. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Anything else? No, that's it. But I tell you this, I wouldn't be betting. I, I tell you this, if you gave me 17, all joking aside, instead of 17 and a half, I'm ready. Mm, and you're not getting it from me. Not this time. All right. That's enough, boys. Good stuff. Like we said, 5-0 in the NFL. Maddie Holt back uh, tomorrow, Wednesday. Talk to you then. Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.